Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is an honorable mention with Jeff Schwartz and Shane Hagedorn. Part of the Creative Control Network of Podcasts. In the shuffling madness, I'm the locomotive breath. Runs the all-time loser, headlong to his death. Oh, it feels a piston scraping, steam breaking on his brow. Hey now! It's Tuesday, and you know what that means. Welcome to another chapter of an honorable mention, the essential Ring of Honor retrospective podcast. Come independent promotion of this generation. I am your host, Jeff Schwartz, and alongside is my co host. Our expert analyst, the head of logistics, the all-elite wrestling staff writer, mayor of merchandise, the timekeeper of the show, the warrior of the Wayback Machine, the king of cage match, and the Terry Funk of alcohol consumption. <laughs> He's also Ring of Honor alumni, Shane Hagedorn. Partner, good you love You love your inside jokes. Well, you coined it. So I did. I did coin it. What every year from the from the their New Year's until Valentine's Day, I abstain from the alcohol. And it is it's true. We talked about it last January yep. when we taped uh, the show and how miserable you were. So uh, when you brought up <laughs> brought up the Terry Funk line today, I thought I gotta throw that in there. Ah, uh, perfect. Plus, who doesn't love Terry Funk? And it's Tuesday. Terry Tuesday. Terry Funk Tuesday. Tuesday on the... Yes, it is Terry Funk Tuesday. On the day this drops for public consumption. That's true. If you're listening on Patreon.com backslash an honorable pod. Sakuraba Saturday? Sure. I I can dig with that. Yeah, Um, people... I don't don't remember if it's a Sakuraba Saturday or Sakuraba Sunday that gets... uh, Give him both days. Hashtagged on on Twitter, but it's one of the two. Give him both days, because otherwise he'll beat the shit out of both of us at the same time. Saturday and Segura Sunday. There we go. It's fine by me. As long as there's time for, you know, Minoru Monday. Monday, Terry Tuesday, uh, Wing Wing Kanemura Wednesday. Sure. Thrasher Thrasher Thursday. Thursday. Uh, It... The headbangers are Finley Fridays. 
There we go. I think we got to work on Thursday just a wee bit. Oh, okay. All right. right. We'll we'll have to think about that for next week. Thatcher. Thatcher. Less Thatcher Thursdays. Less. Or Timothy Thatcher Thursdays. Either one. Feel free. Do both. Any Thatcher. Margaret exception. Don't include Margaret. Sure. We have no Margaret Thatcher. You're like you don't you you're absent mindedly staring at me like what's a Margaret Thatcher? I know the name. I'm pretty sure that was like the history class I skipped. Yeah, that would be a history class related thing. So yeah. um if it was a wrestling history class, you wouldn't have skipped it, well, but you know. We're gonna talk about history. I mean, high school was a rough time for me. I had lots of concussions as a, a football player and you know, I had a very serious illness as a, a freshman um, dealing with my ear. Um, caused me to miss three weeks of my freshman school year. Um, so, yeah. What's your excuse for the other 25 years of your life? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I plead the fifth? No, we're brought to you on Patreon.com. <laughs> Patreon.com backslash an honorable pod. You'll get the show early. You get it ad free. You get it for as little as a dollar a week. We've got other tiers with more stuff. There's bonus content. We have dropped some awesome uh, stuff that I I don't know if YouTube has totally killed us yet, but um, YouTube killed one of my discs, one of my uploads completely. Yesterday, I was trying to upload some 1992 New Japan TV, and it let me put up two-thirds of it with just editing out the music. The middle portion, it just said no and blocked everything. Bastards. Well, I've got some stuff that I dipped into the archives for that I'll be scheduling here shortly uh, for bonus material over at patreon.com backslash an honorable pod. Uh, of course, you can get the show on video as well. There's merchandise that can also be added in, in optional tiers. Um, you get the format to the show every week. And uh, the most important part is you get it early and ad-free. So you don't get to hear all the various drop-ins from Spreaker and whoever else happens to be sponsoring the show for that week. The Archives that we will mention on this very show probably no less than 10 times are available at an honorable mention. Dot over. I tell you, I'm, I would take it as well. Uh, they're available at an honorable mention. Wix site.com backslash main. <clears throat> it's an honorable mention. W I X S I T E dot com backslash main. You can email us for sponsorship opportunities at an honorable mention at gmail.com. We are brought to you by the Creative Control Network, so be sure to follow the head of the Creative Control Network, Mr. Joe Feeney. He's on Twitter at J double F double E ha N E Y three R D and at the CC Network One on Twitter for all the latest news and notes. Uh, one additional Twitter note: I am now on Twitter at Mr. Jeff Schwartz Zero. Twitter suspended my account. I have no idea why. Be sure to follow our verified scientists of sound, their astronaut of audio, our purveyor of production, the ace of action figures, the base master general, the technician of trouble, the best broadcast machine, the award-winning autocrat of advertisement. 
Mr. Zach Johnson. He is on Twitter. He's also the cleaner of audio. And he's on Twitter and Instagram at Radio ZT. He delivers us the best intro and outro every single week, making sure that we sound professional. You can be someone that's worthy of an honorable mention. Yes, you. By being one of our patrons today at patreon.com slash an honorable pod. For as little as $4 a month, you can help us to create all of the awesome content that you love from an honorable mention. At the early bird level at $4 a month, you get the show early and ad-free every single week. Plus, the higher tier you subscribe, the more bonus perks you get, like additional content exclusive to patrons, like watch-alongs and more, DVDs, merch, and more. Check it all out at patreon.com slash an honorable pod today and be somebody that's worthy of an honorable mention. Well, partner, let's dive into it. It's worthy of an honorable mention. It's January 20th, 2012, and we are in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, at the Pennsylvania National Guard Armory for Homecoming 2012, proudly presented by patreon.com backslash an honorable pod. Do, do, do. So, according to my research, before we get into the video wires that are part of this show, um... Ring of Honor returned to Philadelphia for this show at the Armory for the very first show proper, not television taping. Remember, this is the uh, HD Net era, uh, as well as the Sinclair uh, TV era. Um, All Star Extravaganza Four took place at the uh, New Alhambra Arena. That was in December of 2008. It is available in the archives, I do believe. And it's, I'm pretty sure we did that. Also, I'll verify for you that we have not. Oh, okay. Well, we have not covered that show. We should one day. It's a good one. Uh, and then uh, you reminded me that the armory had not been visited since Respect is Earned 2, which would have been in May. Or June of 2008? Um, uh, it was... I didn't write down the date. I just wrote down 2008 on my notes, but yeah. So, Summer of 2008. You know, almost June. a, a four-year... We, we were in Connecticut the day before, if I remember correctly. So, uh, Yeah, four, four years without running the armory. And the armory had been home to Muda in Ring of Honor, Kobashi in Ring of Honor, Misawa in Ring of Honor, Kenta in, had wrestled there. Uh, that The Midnight Express reunion was at this building. You debuted in this I building. I debuted there, which is by far the most important part of that. Uh, which will death, come full death circle to Dishonor 4. Yes, it will. Cage of Death, Death Before Dishonor 4 in this building. The bulk of the CZW stuff that really drew and what fans, uh, I think, most cling to happened in this building. And we abandoned it for four years to go to TV uh, at the arena, an oversaturated building. 
that had very little value by that point as far as name because everybody ran it uh, to fans that we papered the buildings with and who gave zero fucks about what they were seeing. And it showed in terms of our attendance for this show, uh, which I would generously say was in the 400s. I saw up to like 525 yeah, and as low I, as 435 i would put it in like the mid 400s versus you know the days of drawing a thousand people there even like six seven eight hundred for that for that last pay-per-view stuff um it's yeah sad it but was I, yeah it was a, a vocal crowd because yes. they had stuff to be vocal for mm-hmm. and that was the the one interesting thing i wanted to talk about comparing the new alhambra ecw arena to the armory is I noticed in my time in both buildings, yes, they are both in the same city, but the crowd behavior was drastically different. Well, armories don't sell alcohol, so that's a big one. No, I think the armory was actually a more like loud, boisterous, like. Yes, but not obnoxious and drunk. And then later in the HDNet era, silent. And like the non-HDNet shows we ran at the arena were very different than the HDNet shows we ran at the arena in terms of the crowd as well. Yeah, it's just interesting to me how one particular market... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details that you would think crosses over didn't really cross over there were some cases you'd go to a show at the armory and not see somebody that you would see at the arena yeah and for context like you remember that murphy wreck to the arena drive yes they did arena warfare Mm -hmm. um if they did that here from the armory to the arena that promo could be anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour, depending on traffic and which way you take to get there. They're not close. They both they might both be Philadelphia, but they're not close. Philadelphia's borders are very large. And, and it might just be being from a small town when I hear 20 minutes. I don't think that's all that much. But I guess with big cities and and. Like that, that traffic. Well, a a twenty-minute drive from from where the armory is located on Roosevelt, Roosevelt Boulevard to Swanson and Rittner, uh, That's twenty minutes, probably at like three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, with no traffic. Uh, you're not getting yeah. at it. 
primetime hours. That, that's that's an hour. Especially that's, on the boulevard. I mean, that's that in itself is just one giant traffic jam. Yeah. Yeah. It's so. Uh, they're not close. It's it's both Philadelphia, not close, not at all. Um, but this uh, this show is Homecoming 2012. It's kind of a theme Ring of Honor ran with. Uh, I would say you know. Oh, well, this four we did or five three, times. Three we did three Homecoming shows that I'm aware of. Three Homecoming shows during my time with the company. Um, July of 2005 was the first uh, homecoming show, and that's because it was our first time at the Armory in seven months. Um, then the second homecoming show had nothing to do with the venue. It was Cabana's homecoming. To um, Chicago. To Chicago. For yet another title shot, he would fall short. Of. And <clears throat> then this. Are there homecomings after this? I have no idea. <laughs> I think there was. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll explore that in March Madness. Who knows? I don't know. That ball is in your court. Oh, yeah. And I'm already scouting DVDs in which, uh, well, you'll be viewing them on Honor Club. But, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, March Madness. It's coming in March. Uh, But we start with the January 11th, 2012 video wire. And this is a really good video wire. It's about nine and a half minutes. Eddie Edwards opens it up and he talks about how he achieved goals in the past year. And he listed being Ring of Honor champion, uh, you know, succeeding in pro wrestling Noah. And he says it's been downhill since he lost the ROH world title. But at the start of the new year, he's going to start climbing back up the hill. And he's going to do it by any... By hook or by crook, I believe, was the phrase that he used. He's going to, you know, get back up that mountain. So as he's talking, and he's he's delivering the promo the same way he did on the Final Battle 2010 show, available in the archives, where it's very just matter-of-fact, you know, uh, no, you know, raising a voice, no lowering a voice, just one flat tone, uh, very conversational. And as he's talking, Roderick Strong interrupts. Roddy says, bro, you're wrong. You see, I'm going to be the next two-time Ring of Honor world champion in 2012. I got truth, and I'm going to rise back up the mountain before you do. And then Eddie goes and recaps all the stuff he did to Roderick Strong in 2011 and says he owned him. Uh, Roddy says Eddie got lucky and he doesn't remember anything from 2011, which is a direct quote. He, he challenges <laughs> Eddie Edwards. Oh, this is a great promo. I would recommend people go out of their way to watch this. He challenges Eddie Edwards to a no-holds-barred fight. Eddie says, I will beat the shit out of you. Quote, unquote. And then they get into this big shoving match. It's a really hot segment and it makes me so disappointed with the opening of the, of the show that we'll talk about here in a minute. Then we go to the embassy. Or so we thought. You see, the embassy has been purchased, according to Barrister R.D. Evans, by a multinational corporation. And they are now the Embassy Limited. They've been bought out. 
Tommaso Ciampa is the main focus of the embassy now. He's the moneymaker, according to R.D. Evans. Nana says he's going to take the embassy to different heights. But Barrister R.D. Evans cuts him off and says, it's a new era. It's no longer about Prince Nana. It's about Tommaso Ciampa. Nana cuts off R.D. Evans and says, he's got Princess Mia. And while he's got her by his side, he's unstoppable. And R.D. Evans simply says, well, that's fine. She is deserving of being on a pedestal. But Tommaso Ciampa's here. And Ernie Osiris, Mr. Ernesto Osiris, is here. And he doesn't really matter. And that's a quote. Ernie, the entire time, anytime R.D. Evans talks, is rolling his eyes, looking at the ground. He's got, you know, his hands on his hips, crosses his arms at one point. Great body language selling the story of the seeds of dissension within the confines of the embassy. Of course, that's, you know, unfortunately something we never got to fully see come to light. But... Champa said, uh, gets a chance to talk, and he says that uh, he's got a proving ground match in Norfolk tomorrow night, uh, which is the night after Homecoming 2012. That's against Jay Lethal, and he'll break the spirit of Jay Lethal, and eventually he'll take his belt. R.D. Evans finishes the promo off saying, "The Embassy Limited is the right environment," and then Prince Nana graces us with the immortal words. We're in the money, we're in the money, do-do-do-do-do-do-do, we're in the money. And that's the Embassy promo. Or the Embassy Limited, I should say. Um, Here's the thing. Yeah. It's entertaining. We basically had the exact same... It's treading water for a year, plus... That's the only thing. That's the thing. It's like, okay, it's progressed to this embassy limited thing. But at the end of 2010, we were having the basically exact same conversation about the status of the embassy. Mm -hmm. Oh, Ernie's making, rolling his eyes at everything R.D. Evans says. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, that's it. And that's one thing I I will say, I really enjoyed the show. But it also made me look at how long a lot of these people just treaded water. Um, and this is this promo is a good example. It's an entertaining promo. I love the interaction between RD and Ernie, and I like the idea of what this story was. But it just is literally treading water for. I, I don't even remember at this point when the whole thing started with RD Evans. It's been well over a year of this thing, and it didn't really move hardly. At all. No, it was a very slow build to like no payoff. Yeah, that and that it, it's a it's a glacial speed build to well, no payoff. And that was kind of my big gripe with the whole. Like I, you know, and we've talked about it. With the idea that I had for sweet and sour and the embassy to be on opposite sides and. You know how how I proposed that story, and I kind of thought this is where it was going to be a split of the embassy members, and some people would go with Nana, and some would go with Artie Evans, and then they'd wage war. But it never 
and never, never, never went in here a year, a year plus later. And it's still, aside from changing to Embassy Limited, you know, we're still, uh, oh, look, let's distract Prince Nana with Mia mm-hmm. a year and change later. So yeah. have it really entertaining as it may be. It hasn't gone anywhere since 2010. Yep. Um, the two promos that have come so far have been really good and really entertaining. I didn't but, film these, by the way. I was, at this point, uh, several months removed from being on the road. So this is, uh, I was not even, I was not at Final Battle 2011. I did not film a goddamn thing. Well, the line of the video wire is actually up next. And it's something I've never actually thought of putting these words in this order. But Red Titus, who is with Kenny King, opens up a promo. Of course, Red's dealing with a bum knee here uh, that has him on the sidelines. And Red opens this promo up with the fact he says that the All Night Express is no stranger to danger. I've never heard that the like I've heard the phrase stranger danger before, but it's just stranger danger, you know. I've never heard a person being the stranger to something like danger. So the way he starts it I thought was brilliant. Um, and he says these young bucks. There's a lot of stuff in this promo that I thought was was really just really on point. Like the the all nights of Final Battle 2010 when we covered that, you know, a couple of weeks ago. This is the grown up version. Like they are definitely a main the, act the now the all nights who opened up Final Battle 2010 against Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. Yep. Remember that. Yep. Because we'll we'll be talking. Come back to that. So Rhett says these young bucks want to take their spots to top of the ROH tag division. The All Knights will keep rolling in spite of Rhett's knee. Kenny says he sees the bucks trying to make noise in the tag division. He calls them little kids. Kenny says he'll whip their ass like Papa Jackson. He says he's the Joe Jackson to their Latoya and Janet. Yee. Yeah, talk about a Yee. line that doesn't age well, but man, like Yee. all systems were a go with Kenny King in this promo. Until uh, Rhett is back, Kenny King is going to handle ANX business in Philly. He's going to beat the Antichrist of pro wrestling, Kevin Steen. Even though he kind of sees Kevin Steen's point, he mentions that he's a fight the power kind of cat. And he won't let Steen tear apart Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor helps him feed his... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know 
know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Daughter, and he's going to rip Steen's arm off and beat him with the bloody end of it. So this was a hot promo from the All Knights. Uh, and Kenny King, man. Good Lord. He, he's got lines. Or what, what's the phrase? He's got bars. Got bars. You got bars. Well, we see a it's hot fire like Dylon on Chappelle shit. Yes. To borrow a page from Lupe Fiasco there. Sure. Um You at least know who that is. I do. I do. Yes. I have a couple a couple of songs on Chappelle's kit. On my iTunes from Lupe Fiasco. Uh actually I think it may have a whole album. He had like a is awesome. It's a, a white cover with like a little red logo in the center. That's what I have. I can't remember the name of the album. But uh, we get a Chris Hero highlight package up next. And, uh, you know, Chris Hero is going to be on the show tonight in his final Ring of Honor appearance uh, for the foreseeable future. And uh, we then go immediately from the Chris, Hi- the Chris Hero highlight reel into a Truth Martini and Michael Elgin promo. Oh, God. Well, damn. So, Truth begins the promo talking about an eye booger. That, and he compares the eye booger to Chris Hero. <laughs> it's creative. I've, I had might be the only this. might be the one and only promo in the history of professional wrestling to discuss eye boogers. I I had to listen to this twice because I was very confused at his comparison. Yeah, but he's, his idea is that eye boogers are easy to get rid of, and he says there's an easy way to get rid of Chris Hero, and I it was just odd. So then. Elgin talks and he talks about tables and things that are brought to the table. And then he says he's unbreakable like a table. Quote, unquote. Yes, because tables are, as we know from years of pro wrestling viewing, tables are in fact unbreakable. I don't, they're in Japan and they're the long skinny ones. I don't know who would have been filming these promos, Ernie or Grizz maybe. I would have blamed Ernie. Sure. Um, I would have <laughs> I said, know. cut tables break, you big dumb bastard. Um, he talks for a little while longer. I zoned out. Uh, my notes actually say blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then Truth finishes the promo with, they say God they made say it all. equal. No, that, they were wrong. Yeah, thank you. Uh, then we go to a new face in this period of time, at least uh, so far in the video wire. An unknown and untalented backstage redheaded female ring announcer with glasses. She's with Future Shock, Adam Cole, and Kyle O'Reilly. Cole says, it's, it's absolutely undisputed that he's improved. Kyle O'Reilly says, it's undisputed 
that he's improved. They've both gotten their asses kicked, but they've gotten up. Kyle O'Reilly says implicitly he trusts Adam Cole, even though things have changed. He's bringing the fight in Philly. Adam Cole says things have changed. But one thing that hasn't changed is that Future Shock is the future in ROH's tag division by any means necessary. So remember Final Battle 2010 in the archives? Basically the same promo. Yeah. Um, Because they're basically in the exact same spot uh, as a team. And... Yeah, they're very. We know they're heading for a a breakup that nobody wanted, and but they yeah they 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 spent a year plus just spinning their wheels and not really getting anywhere. Uh, yeah, and that's what I can look at it. They spent a year spinning their a year and change not doing anything. Um, they had some bad lot bad. They had plenty of really good matches. Uh, you know, that ANX match we talked about. They had really entertaining matches with the Bravados. They had really entertaining matches with the Young Bucks. Um Briscoes, Kings of Wrestling. Ma- they, uh, Kings of Wrestling with Ross Tag Team. Uh they had but they just never went anywhere. They didn't win and they didn't go anywhere. Like they, they beat were, the Bravados, who were like the safe team to beat. Um, the, the and one this thing with this, un- this with promo kind of just it was his promo just kind of um, doesn't kind of this promo does feel like they just we just played back a promo they would have cut a year earlier. Well, and the the verbiage of the promo makes you think of like all their matches that they've had, including against Haas and Benjamin, and you're just like sitting there going. Okay, well, they had matches where they went up, and you were like, hmm, they're going to get the belts or get, you know, a shot at the belts, and then they'd lose. It's the, it's literally the perfect definition of how I viewed 2010 to 2019 Ring of Honor, where there was so much 50 50 booking and so many stories that got told, but were never really like, Told in in chapters, they were just I chunks. I don't even think you can call it. You can call it fifty fifty booking with Future Shock. They, and you can win by losing, but eventually you're just losing. Yeah, and I think we should save that for the match that opens the show. Yes. Well, we go next to a Jay Lethal promo. He's with the same unknown and untalented backstage redheaded female announcer with glasses. Jay Lethal says he won the Honor Rumble. So he's ready for his title shot. And tonight, his title shot is in Philadelphia. It's not quite the moment he's been waiting for because it came much faster than he expected. Uh, But he's got momentum on his side. How do you not appreciate that? This is the moment I've been waiting for. 2005 Jay Lethal's cheesy-ass babyfaceness. It's an all-time, like... I think it's the all-time inside Ring of Honor joke. Tonight is the night I've been waiting for. Yeah. 
Yeah. That that might be like the deepest cut that people don't know about in today's Ring of Honor fan base. Ah, uh, no, not unless they go look at the 2005 welcome video that I think gets in got edited into that by Santa Maria. So, yeah, that's that was that's a good that's a good one. Well, but he he does say he's ready for Davy Richards in Philadelphia, and of course we know that they would have a couple of matches with one another, um, but we'll talk more about that later. The January 17th, 2012 video wire starts with highlights of Eddie Edwards and Roderick Strong just unsafely beating the living hell out of each other. Not unsafe. It's just what friends do. There was one double stomp from Eddie on the apron to Roddy that he literally lands flat-footed on Roddy's face and Roddy's hands are at his hips. Yeah. Well, it's Roddy's fault. I, I'm not blaming anybody <laughs> here. I'm just saying that looked like it hurt. Yeah. Tuck your chin. <laughs> Slap your leg and tuck your chin. Uh, the unknown and untalented backstage redheaded female announcer with glasses brings in Truth Martini and Roderick Strong. Uh, so we've got almost all the members of Undisputed Era being interviewed by the unknown and untalented backstage redheaded female announcer with glasses. Truth Martini and Roderick Strong, and I, I shit you not, uh, Truth starts this promo with, quote, she looks like they feel loose and easy-peasy lemon squeezy. Okay. Like I said, this is something. What a that what a way to start a to start a an interview. <laughs> yes. Um. This is something. Um. Yeah. Uh. Boy. Uh. Roddy says he's ready for the no holds barred match with Eddie Edwards. He's not afraid of Eddie, and he knows that in 2012, only the strong survive. And we go from some fun promos and some excitement to Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin. And Charlie says that the wrestling's greatest tag team is angry and pissed off. And that it was time to change their attitude. He's ready to beat up Future Shock. And he's going to do it in Philadelphia. Shelton Benjamin says Future Shock will be just another victim. To coin a phrase, quote unquote of the wrestling's greatest tag team. And then Charlie Haas finishes the promo with what he said and walks off. Like yeah, he intentionally... I think that was his attempt at like, what a rush. It was... just, just didn't really feel like talking. What he said as his heel promo. What he what he said was far more coherent than what Charlie said. Uh, he, I, he I, I will say that uh, it was finally, you know, at least with this, the 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 Haas and Benjamin were finally in the role that the fans had been treating them like for many months at this point. Well, and it I, was very I, different. It was a very different um, reception to them here than a year prior. <laughs> 
And I think you would agree with me in saying that if they're in the bully role, it fit. Like, look at Sheldon Benjamin. I'd say especially Charlie. Well, from from a physical standpoint, look at Sheldon Benjamin. He looks like a fucking monster. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie Haas. Fucking beast. Yeah. And he he bragged about never going to the fucking gym. Yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah. It's absolutely disgusting. He's one of the greatest athletes, I think, to ever come through professional wrestling. Like, pure, pure athletes. He could have been great at any sport. Mm -hmm. I would agree. Um, But the bully role for Charlie was right up his alley. Until he got his ass kicked by Grizzly Redwood. Davey Richards! He uh, is here. He does his baby face. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Promo. He recalls facing AJ Styles in his first ROH match in Philadelphia. He walks in tonight a little different. He's the champion. He talks about being a champion in Japan. Champion in the USA. It'll be champion versus champion. As he talks about how great Jay Lethal is as the best wrestler on television, Davey Richards says he's headhunting and Jay's head is on the list. His recommendation to Jay Lethal is that he ducks. 2012, homecoming, it's all about ambition. And as I, ambition. As I read this paragraph here that I typed out, um, Davy Richards literally sounded like that the entire program. Yeah. No punctuation, no emotion, just like he was reading off a piece of paper. Very phony baby face. Yeah, uh, it didn't didn't convey well. No, and I, I think when we get to the main event, I, I wanna make a, a point about Jay Lethal Babyface in this yeah. instance. Um, the unknown and untalented backstage redheaded female announcer with glasses is back, and she brings in Caprice Coleman and Cedric Alexander, who are getting their third shot at the Briscoe Brothers, Jay and Mark, in Norfolk, Virginia. Caprice uh, or uh, Cedric says that they've got it all figured out now. Caprice says they're going to earn their keep. They're going to take the belts in Norfolk, Virginia. And uh, Caprice finishes off the promo by saying... You're going to recognize the talent that stands in front of you. So he, Caprice, 
is so good verbally. It's no wonder he's one of the best play-by-play guys in all of wrestling. Uh, and you know, on commentary with Ian, uh, he's so natural with a microphone, and and the way he took over control of the promo and raised the energy that Cedric just didn't have that voice no. yet. Cedric had the talent in the ring. Talking? No. That's why these two, uh, even though just throwing them together was just, I mean, to be frank, even back in 2012, I looked at it as, I'm just going to put the two black guys together. Mm -hmm. And there's not really a reason for them to be a team uh, on paper. I don't think we ever established any reason whatsoever why these two are just, now you're a team. Go, and now you're CNC Wrestle Factory. It was just, here, you're put together, go be a team. Um, But... They, in that role, they complemented each other. Cedric could talk. Cedric was not the talker at all. Caprice, on the other hand, talked circles around a good chunk of the locker room. Uh, is and but they both had the in ring. One was far more experienced than the other, so they they complemented each other, and they could have, I think had a lot more legs under them as a team. Um, but again, I think they're another one who just kind of end up trending water for their entire time together. Uh, yeah. Yep. And it's unfortunate because, as we, we talked about you know last week, Cedric Alexander, uh, very talented, but Caprice Coleman just never got the chance to blow out as a, a, a a big star, and I, I really think he could have been massive. Yeah, nope. but that wraps up the video wire. Uh, we get a highlight go home package for Homecoming 2012, and we head to the live event with our commentary team of Kevin Kelly and Bob Berger. Bill Berger. Bill Berger. Bob Berger's a TV show. Bill Berger is Freddie Johnston, aka Delirious. So, if you'd like to have your mind blown, if there's any big mystery be- as to who the commentary on this was, if it's still a mystery almost a decade later, consider your mystery solved. It's Bill Berger, aka Hunter Johnston, aka fucking delirious, and he's god awful at it. Um, it's really bad, really bad commentary. Where um, would you rank him in the pantheon of bad Ring of Honor commentary? I mean, what's the lo- what's the bottom of the barrel? Is that uh, Gargiulo? Really, really? Well, no. Donnie B. Donnie B. To me is probably the bottom of the barrel as far as Ring of Honor commentary. Yeah, I I uh, think that's the bottom as people too. who weren't just like more than a yo. Here's Larry Zabisco to do one show. Yeah, I'm not. Someone count him. No, no, Donnie B. He's definitely. I would put him above Donnie B. And um, yeah. For sure. Uh, mm, I guess at least he's enthusiastic. Yeah. Well, and he knows the stories. So yeah. He's able to... Might not know the name moves of anybody on the roster. Knows the moves of the Chikara guys, though. Uh, All right. But, yeah, I uh, I don't know. Not 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 very high. We're we're a far cry from um, 
Dave and Lenny. Or even a far cry from... Yeah. I don't know. I would call this uh, uh, early... Early... Uh, early Gabe and Doug. That's fair. Uh, I was longing for Joe Dombrowski and Eric Santa Maria and you... And I did commentary on like one show. Yeah, Buffalo Stampede too, available in the archives. Yeah. Um, I stick to the booking role. If if you got to do something with him, like or go be a gimp on Age of the, from Age of the Fall or Red Poison Delirious. Bill Berger wasn't getting the job done for me. Now, I imagine it was just a, this is a cost-cutting fill-in. Like, we just want somebody to do commentary. Uh, yeah. So, here, you do it. I'll do it, you know. All right, I'll do it. Mm. Yeah. Because I guess we'll find out next week uh, if he did Underground as well. Because I have no recollection. So when we talk about that next week, we'll see if Phil Berger does more than one Ring of Honor show. I don't know if he does because I don't think I've ever watched Underground. The plastic is not on the DVD. That doesn't necessarily mean. But that doesn't necessarily mean it got a watch. I definitely bought it, though. Bobby Cruz is here to open up the show, and he doesn't have a long list to read off like he has done in the past and I have imitated. But he informs us, unfortunately, that Eddie Edwards is not clear to compete. He's suffering from a staph infection. Uh, We know Eddie was going to compete against Roderick Strong in a no-holds-barred match, which, quite honestly, I was really looking forward to. Uh, He's unhappy. uh, Him being Eddie, who comes out, uh, he's unhappy with the doctor not clearing him to compete. And he encourages the fans to chant, fuck the doctor. Well, that's lovely. Um, but he gets the fans excited for the rest of the show and gets the fans ready uh, to be loud for the opening match, which, in fact, they were. This is a, a, was a very stark reminder to the drastic crowd difference from babyface Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin to heel Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin. Because the crowd is excited to boo Charlie and Shelton. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they have permission of sorts. We finally get to do what we've been wanting to do for months. And, and, it's, just, and it's nice to be in a Philly crowd with a vocal, vocal audience. Well, they're taking on Future Shock of Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. And uh, this is a rematch, in fact, from St. Louis, uh, Collinsville, I should say. Um, Gateway to Honor. Even says it on the DVD case. Does it? Yeah. Uh, I put it back on the shelf. Yeah. Um, I guess it's it's behind me in my background. Gateway to Honor, the first DVD event uh, after I got fired, so I wasn't there. After I got fired from Crew, so I was not there. I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is an exciting opening contest, and it did something that I think a lot of shows from 
the Pierce era into the bulk of the Delirious era. Maybe not all of it, but more often than not, the opening contest wasn't like this you know, banger of a match. There were some times where it was, but then there were other times where it was just like, here's a good match. Like a good, solid match. Nothing that blows your mind. Um, but this was a really, really strong match. And the contrast of fans wanting to cheer for Cole and O'Reilly versus wanting to boo for Charlie and Shelton really made the match fun to watch for me. Um, And that's putting aside the action of the match, which Charlie does a great job selling for Colin O'Reilly. So let the record show. I'm giving Charlie Haas some credit. Uh, Shelton looks like a monster throwing Cole and O'Reilly around. Um, I don't, I don't have the gateway to honor match memorized, you know, off the top of my head, but I feel like that was one of those matches where Charlie and Shelton were, I don't want to say like dogging it, but unenthused. Friend of show Kevin Ford in his review that, you know, we always look at reviews. Both of us look at different reviews after we watch the shows. His, you know, he said this was, that was the better match, but it was close between the two. He said, this was only a slight step below the gateway to honor bout is what he called it. I really enjoyed this. So I might have to go back and watch that gateway to honor bout uh, one more time. But the one the more one, time or for the first time, uh, one more time. <laughs> I think I, it'd be the second time I've seen it. Um, but I, I think in this match, the one thing that struck me with Future Shock is there is like a noticeable tension between the two. Yeah. Um, and, and that's part of the story. And that's why that video wire promo, I think, was so important to mention of of speaking of the trust between the two guys. You know, it was like they forced that concept into the arc of their promo to get ready for this match. Um, yeah, I mean, there, 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 there had been... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Seeds planted of their breakup and seeds planted with the Edwards and Adam Cole stuff. Uh, but it... It's it. I look at it. It's it, well. I go through the match and that and the spot that really said. Then I'll elaborate after the conclusion. Well, I'll. Uh, are you talking about the the finish? You want me to go to the finish here? No, just. I mean, you know, do do your uh, your match run through, and I'll, la- I'll elaborate after the after the. Uh, well, one, one specific uh, thing I want to mention was this really great uh, Tornado DDT from Kyle O'Reilly onto Shelton. And he makes this hot tag. Uh, 
Cole comes in and I think he does like a cross. No, he uh, he does like a shotgun drop kick maybe off the top, something off the top, and then he goes back up top and tries a cross body and Charlie Haas just puts on his best bully costume, <laughs> catches him in the crossbody, and then Adam Cole turns that into this really slick looking DDT that Charlie took, you know, right on the top of his head. Um, so that was the real highlight segment to me. Uh, the finish is only at 11 minutes and 32 seconds. And I was kind of hoping they'd get some extended time based on how this match was going. Cause this could have been a really fun, like, you know, top shelf tag match at the rate they were going. Uh, Kyle gets hit with pay dirt from Shelton. Uh, they hit the double power bomb on Adam Cole and that gets the win at 11 minutes and 33 seconds. Uh, or eleven thirty-two, I should say. And, uh, man, like, the way Charlie and Shelton played to the crowd as being just these, you know, bully dickheads was great. Like, yeah. this... Especially this made these two guys who are half their size. Right. And it, it made me smile seeing them presented this way. This is the, the what I wanted from them when they came to Ring of Honor. Oh. Like, obviously, if they're going to be baby faces, you wanted that James Gibson level success and effort and, and connection with the crowd. But when as soon as that connection wasn't there, this is such a, a great move on the booking side of things to turn them and and let them just be dickheads. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you had a choice in, to, to, to finally just be like okay we're turning you because the crowd had just made up their mind months before they actually got officially turned uh what i was going to say was so from the point with the you know with the accidentally hitting each other i think about it i'm like we're talking about the treading water thing with with future shock is that then it felt simultaneously like they had been treading water and then there is this really abrupt turn into uh, breaking up and kind of going their separate ways because you've got to figure between here and March like in let and this is you know this is the latter half of January so it's not even two full months they're at each other with, with the, the the tag that's the main event's the tenth anniversary, the Young Wolves Rising uh, tag match. Like they're Some at titles each other. rule. Um, it just it feels it and it felt so like okay, here's this team that's not really doing a whole hell of a lot. They're having cool matches, good matches, wrestling, no, everybody of name, but they're not winning anything. They're not progressing. They're not moving up for the card. They're just kind of here. And now we're going to blow them up. Mm-hmm. This wasn't like a year-long build to the mega powers exploding. It was like, no. It was, yeah, I think here's they've a tagged couple, here's a, a couple months. And, you know, with the Wolves and how that goes in 2000. 11 to 12 we had the better part of what 
four years <laughs> from Final Battle 2008 until, uh, you know, three and a half years um, of them as a team before they went completely. It just it, I don't know. It just felt like be, I think because Adam and Kyle didn't ever move up and just kind of spun their wheels. It didn't. Feel, it never felt like we got the most out of them that we could have as a team before blowing it up. Uh, and I think this is at a time where we kind of needed some to move some teams up. You well, know, it, it's well. It's, you needed to move them up and or separate to create more depth at the top of the show. And I, I felt it was a case of moving. I don't moving people up. Moving teams up because it's like, okay, we have wrestling's greatest tag team. We just lost the belts to the Briscoes and a turning heel. We've got the Briscoes and we've got ANX. That's it. Uh, yeah. Yep. And that's kind of how I like, okay. And then if anything else is, all right, well, Kyle and Adam are going their own ways, their separate ways. And Cole and Eddie isn't really a team. They're mm-hmm. just kind of together a little bit. It's not like this tag team that, okay, hey, this is working. We're going to pursue it and see where it goes. And Davey and Kyle are a team-ish, but Davey is his own. He's the world He's champion. the world champion, and he's got his shit with Kevin. That's kind of the, the, the slow burn. Um so they're not going to be a tag team tag. They get a title match against the Briscoes in like a month or so's time from here, but they're not. That's kind of it for them as a team. So I felt like splitting them up like this, Future Shock, kind of left a hole in a division that needed uh, some fresh blood. And at this point, Rhett's hurt too. So Kenny's on his own. So I can't even count ANX in for the first few months of the year. Yeah, it, it's an interesting thing. that The other thing with Cole and O'Reilly splitting um, and how that all went, uh, I think the right choice was made to make Adam the bad guy. Uh, I don't know if a heel Kyle O'Reilly would have worked at that point. But it does, because then Red Dragon happens. Now, that's the end result of Kyle splitting off. But, I mean, if if the 10th anniversary show wins the anniversary poll in February, we'll, we'll talk about it then. Talk about that. But as far as the end of this match, like, yeah, it was the right decision to have to finally officially make Charlie and Shelton a heel. Not, to me, the right decision to start down the split road for future shock already. Well, speaking of splitting things, a man that splits wood is here. It's Grizzly Redwood. God, you'd think that was scripted. That was so well done. It was not. It was literally, as soon as you said the word splitting, I'm looking at Grizzly Redwood promo. Uh, Grizzly Redwood cuts a promo, and he's ready to chop him down in this four-way that he's got tonight. He's going to bring a victory back to Philadelphia, which is his hometown. Um, I thought he was from the Yukon. Yeah, but he tra- it's hard to get flights out of there. So he moved um, 
back into the area. It's easier to get bookings, you know, if he's in the area than to fly. He's an expensive flight out of the Yukon territories or Yukon Pass or whatever it was. Kodiak Pass in the Yukon territories. That's what it was. Expensive flight. But worth it. I mean, for Ring of Honor, he had to pay for it himself and then work for free, so... We all love Grizzly Redwood, even if he won't turn over those tapes. I'm going to get that in every week until those tapes are in your hands or in in my historical archive. Grizzly Redwood, Mike Bennett, Tommaso Ciampa, alongside the Embassy Limited, Mia Yim, Mr. Ernesto Osiris, Prince Nana, and the barrister, R.D. Evans, versus Andy Rich. A.K.A. right leg. Um, so this is one of those interesting four-way matches in Ring of Honor where you have a very clear-cut top of the food chain in this match. You have Tommaso, who got a video wire promo. You have Mike Bennett, who has you know been on the receiving end of a significant push, and is that my main man, Nathan? Yep, he's going night night. Night night. Oh man, at school in the morning. Oh, school. Who needs that? I'll tell you who needs school. It's nobody in this match. This is one of those four ways, as I was beginning to say where you sit back, you watch the action, and you just smile because everything clicks. And I I know we've talked about four ways in the past on this show, the Four Corner Survivals, that just don't work or they defy logic in a way. But the action in this match is so consistent Tommaso is made to look like this unstoppable force. You've got Grizzly taking an awesome ass-kicking. I think that's a role that people don't want to play in wrestling. And there's very few people that are good at getting their ass kicked. And Grizzly plays it so well here. Yeah, Right, right leg was just kind of there. For the match to like, you know, make it an even four way. And Mike Bennett got his stuff in and it looked very, you know, solid. Like, I, I don't think there's a negative thing to say about this match. And I I guess like the, the idea of making Ciampa the monster. You know, that's the goal here. Much like that, uh, was it a six-way that they did that with Elgin? The double the danger s- scramble match from yeah. one, of the re- one of the Revolution shows, which are both available in the archives. Mm-hmm. Grizzly was in that, too, getting launched around, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yep. So um, was Right Leg. So was Adam Cole. Ciampa. And Ciampa. And... Yeah. I don't remember who the last one was. But uh, I, I just think there's a there, the role of being the underdog that gets your ass kicked, that gets thrown around, 
nobody wants to do that nowadays. Everybody wants to get their moves in and look cool. And, you know, I, I think that's one of the utility man spots where Grizzly fit in here. And quite frankly, I think he made both Bennett and Champa look spectacular while still being able to do some things that worked. And then Andy Ridge was here too. And I think this was probably one of the best outings right leg had. Um, but the fact that you're referencing that uh, May of 2011 match. Stagnant. And all four. Yep. It was right. It was the other one in the match, by the way. Mm. Uh, again, this match has the same issue as one half of the opening match to me. Four people who aren't doing anything. Uh, there's no progression. There's no feeling of anyone in this match um, to me having moved anywhere in the last year. I mean, you have for Tommaso in this role, he had a few dark matches, but Tommaso in this role literally started a year prior. Yeah, because in the last he was probably he debuted officially like uh, in the last round of HDNet tapings. I was gonna say because he wasn't on Champions vs All Stars 2011. No, no, no. It's when he officially uh, made his debut was beating Mike Seidel, and one of the one of the last TVs. Uh, and nothing has really changed in a year for him either. You know, he had the little couple match series with Homicide that he dominated. Nothing happened. He, you know, had just things here and there, but nothing, nothing. And it's been a year at this point. And you know, there's a part that says, okay, well, there's a slow, you know, slow buildup. But it, to me, I look at that point is, okay, going to 2011 when he started. We lost Kevin. Uh, that was a tough, very difficult blow. You know, we were had a lot of I, to me I think we had a lot of space to move people up and we introduced Bennett Champa into these roles the prodigy the Sicilian psychopath getting some getting hype and just that and that's what kind of where it ended it's like I have these great that's a great idea for these two guys then but then I don't know what to do with them yeah, and that was and, always and, my big criticism of Hunter's booking. And it, it, I, I mean, if I look at, it, I know he got, I like, I know Tommaso got hurt, but I don't think that was until like 2013 or 2014. It was in Edison, or it was in 
Um, it was the match where he wrestled Jay for the TV title. So it was in 2012, mm. if I remember right. Um, but like, it just—it's literally not until maybe the middle of May, right before he gets hurt, that it finally feels like something's being done with him of substance. And Bennett, I don't Bennett. I feel like it's even longer than that. Yeah. Before we do anything of substance with him, he's just occupying space. And I mean, I know super, you know, it's 2012, but he's still, you know, pretty damn green. You know, right leg just uh, body occupying space at this point. Nothing's going to be done with him. And you know, Grizz was in the role that he excelled at, which was. He was somebody who won by losing all the time. Like he yep. was constantly, he was wonderful at garnering. I'm not saying it's just because he's my buddy, but he's great at garnering sympathy and making other people's shit look good and being a completely unselfish person who, and I'm just going to go from the Ring of Honor standpoint, um, and probably in all of right at this point, he's the fucking vet in this match. <laughs> Like, especially from the Ring of Honor standpoint, like, yeah, Grizz is great. Grizz has been wrestling since 2005 at this point. Like, he has, he's one of, as far as the entirety of the roster, he's been there just as long as almost as, you know, been there longer than Kevin or Kenny or Hero or Elgin or Davey. Or Jay Lethal, really. Like, Jay left. He was there for a couple of years and left. And yep. he's just now coming back, really. So, like, and he's completely unselfish. There's no ego about him. So, but but it is for people who there's no... No upward mobility. There's no upward momentum at this point for anyone in this match. Especially the two guys who were introduced... Um, in fashions that were kind of like strapping rockets to him a little bit, you know, winning a top prospect tournament, uh, coming in and beat, you know, with the embassy and being the face of it and beating Hama, you know, the former world champion, ROH legend homicide at a WrestleMania weekend. Um, and just. And then existing in the universe. And, and then just, just, yeah, existing for. For a to me existing for weight for something. Well, the finish to this match comes at eight minutes and forty six seconds. Andy Ridge uh, uses his right leg to kick Champa into the corner. Grizzly Redwood blind tags himself in, comes off the middle rope with a leg lariat. Mike Bennett brings Ridge to the floor. Champa mows them both down with clotheslines. Grizzly makes a big dive to the floor. Champa catches him and hits the air raid crash, uh, landing Grizzly on the ring apron. And that's yeah, sick. that's a sick looking one right there. Uh, I'm gonna throw this out there because that bump and then the the Brody Lee uh, uh, black hole slam gif has been out there for the last couple of weeks. Grizzly, for whatever reason, for his body type, everything just looks worse from a a like pain standpoint yeah. when he takes it. 
And I just think that's one of the biggest reasons he's so damn good and underappreciated in this role. That, you know, in the end, he's taking the pinfall for uh, Tommaso Ciampa with the Project Ciampa. But at the same point, like, he does his job better than anybody else in this match. Yeah. Makes everybody look like a million dollars. Yep. Um, so that lasts 846. Uh, and we head backstage where Adam Cole is with Kyle O'Reilly and they are arguing. Uh, they're arguing about uh, the spot where they bumped into each other in the corner. Cole says he's aggravated. Uh, they have this you know, sky high ceiling in Ring of Honor and they keep falling on their faces. Uh, you know, I, I always use the, the phrase, he, they keep stepping on their own meat. Um, Kyle, you know, kind of apologizes and tries to, uh, you know, uplift Adam Cole. And uh, Adam says that they need to lock back in. Um, Kyle O'Reilly says he, he's always been, you know, on point and, and focused. Uh, but Adam Cole kind of no-sells that. And, uh, you know, the seeds are, are definitely starting to sink into the soil and, and grow here. The seeds of dissension. Dissension available in the archives. Saddle, you mentioned earlier that about Adam Cole being the heel in this situation. And, and now, I mean, he teams with Eddie, who's like... Eddie's not, the super baby face, but... Adam is not uh, a heel in this situation. It's... But think about it like this. So Red Dragon, when they start teaming together, they are so good that they're turned face. Yeah, almost they, they come in as heels opposite the wolves, which is still quite many, many months away. So Yes, but Cole is the one that goes in, into the heel role, you know, and, and relaxes into it. It doesn't feel forced like it did with Kyle. Adam stays in his babyface role for another year and a half until we come back to the armory in September of 2013. I'm thinking it's even sooner than that. No, he turns in the tournament in September of 2013. Are you sure that's not September of 2012? Yes. I'm sure. Okay. Well, because we'll it's the title tournament after Jay has to be stripped of the belt that he wins at WrestleMania weekend of 2013. It was also the last live event I was at before I got fired in 2013. Oh, the WrestleMania weekend that you speak of, that was when you had to wear my Duke hat all weekend? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Man. That That's not so much um, a thing. I lost a bet. Just don't watch anything and make sure it up. Apparently, I don't remember You're confusing September of 2012 during Kevin Steen's title run with a world title tournament in 2013. And yeah, well, my brain don't no, no, work no, so great. No, no, what works no, great is bullshit. Prince Nana. He's here. He's very pleased with Tommaso Ciampa. He says they're going to celebrate tonight. They're going to party all night. Party a little longer. But the barrister says there will be no fun. 
because the investors have to be happy. And he believes that Tommaso must win bigger matches. And because he has to win bigger matches, he needs Tommaso focused on Jay Lethal. Because if Jay Lethal wins the ROH World title tonight against Davey Richards, the Proving Ground match will be for both titles. And Ciampa walks away. Nana continues on about partying. Stay all night. Stay a little longer. Woo. That kind of stuff. Uh, Artie Evans uh, takes his exit. And he's off to go make Tommaso Ciampa focused. Focus. Focus. Do you know former Cleveland Indian and Philadelphia Philly Jim Tomey once used the word focusedness as a real word? Oh, well, I was just doing my best Mark Hamill from Batman the Animated Series. There, that's all I was doing. Available on HBO Max, not a sponsor, but... I think we would both highly encourage people to watch it. Uh, I'm in season two, by the way. Yeah. Already. I have to. I, w- I need to look at it and see how it's broken up because I have the Blu-ray collection they released several years ago. They came with little mini uh, Funko Pops um, and Ooh. art and stuff. Uh, so I'm very curious how it's broken up on HBO Max versus how it's broken up on the discs where it has like 52 episodes listed as season one. It's not quite that many. I think there was like only 110 total. Well, then it goes into it's Batman, Batman and Robin. Robin and Robin Adventures, and then it does a split show with Superman. Yeah. Nevertheless, and we've been watching a lot of Batman. Speaking the animated series, man. Steve Carino comes out to the ring, and he talks about how in 2011. He redeemed himself, only to lose to Kevin Steen at Final Battle 2011. And this allowed Kevin Steen, the Antichrist of professional wrestling, to rejoin the ROH roster. La, 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 la. Can't call him that. Well, Sinclair's not here to be my boss, so... (laughs) That's what I say. Uh... And Carino says he won the match even though he lost because he got respect. He's got an injured shoulder and he's planning to return to the ring at some point in 2012. And he starts mentioning some names in Ring of Honor that he'd like to wrestle. uh, Which the beautiful sounds of Blue Smock Nancy hit and Kevin Steen makes his way to the ring. Kevin says he's convinced Deep in his heart of hearts that Steve Carino is still an evil person. Even after Final Battle, he doesn't want to listen to Steve Carino get rid and and put his king of old school persona in the past, in a city in which that persona was born. Steen tells Carino that the fans in the locker room they should have respected him. Uh, Steen feels that he cheated Steve Carino, 2010, uh, terrorizing Jim Cornette. And then once Steen was gone, Carino wanted Jim Cornette's respect and his his mutual respect. Uh, 
uh, I should say. And Steen doesn't know why Jim Cornette's respect was valuable. I mean, he doesn't really call him Jim Cornette initially. He's far more insulting. Well, I'm t- I'm going to be a little more specific for the fans out there at Listener Land. I mean, then, we can talk like, about the old the, man. What now? He calls him, like, what, the fat? The fat, uh, the fat guy with the tennis racket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I bring that up specifically because um, uh, Bill Burger spends the entirety of the commentary uh, having nothing to say but talk about Kevin's weight. Just lazy. Just like, just like you know, that would be the constant what Davey would poke at when he started doing his promos on Kevin. It's all he ever had. It's just, you're fat. We're not talking Scott Steiner, it's funny, delivery. No, it was bully. Samoa Joe, it was just, no, not even, it's just, that's all he had. Uh, Yeah. And I would argue that... Kevin Kevin pointing at, not even saying his name, and just calling him the fat old man of the tennis racket. If I pop for that, Kevin can sit with his big fat ass on his big fat pile of money in comparison to Delirious and Dave Richards, as far as I'm concerned. Talking about 2012 here, so. Still, I'm looking at piles of money coming out of Ring of Honor, my friend. (laughs) No, but we're looking back on this here in 2021. Yes. Uh, So hindsight being 2020. Yeah, 2021. 20. Yes, hindsight is twenty twenty one. Not really. Same ass joke for that one. Same, same. Uh, Steen tells Carino the only person's respect that matters is Carino's own respect. Steen points out that he's here for Steve Carino, while Jimmy Jacobs is not. That's right. Of course, Jacobs was Carino's sponsor in getting over his addiction to evil. There's my guy, Nathan, doing a run-in to join us. And uh, Carino wants to help... uh, Steen wants Carino to help him burn ROH to the ground. So Steen begs for Carino to give him something. Give me something. Give me a reaction. But Carino just kind of Shrugs his shoulders and walks away. Mm-hmm. So Kevin is left is the cheese that stands alone in the center of the ring. And Kenny King, alongside Rhett Titus, make their way out. And we have ourselves a match. Indeed we do. Hell of a match. Yeah, this was really, really good. And it makes me kind of want to investigate if there was more of these two guys going at it. Um, I think there's this this authenticity to Kevin in this role, this character of this like Bruiser Brody style madman. Mm. I, I It's not the right comparison, but he's like a, a man with nothing to lose 
and and but, he's say, I I disagree. I think what you're describing is much more the 2010 end of 2010, Kevin. Um, this to me is a very uh, focused um, Kevin who knows like he's not getting anywhere unless he wins. He's not getting what he wants unless he wins. He has to earn his. Like he he's back. He's in the auspices of being under the control. Like yes, he's back in Ring of Honor, but he's still he's now controlled by Ring of Honor. And what he wants is the title. And in order to do it, he has to play within the rules and win. This is not the madman that ended 2010 completely un- uncontrollable. I I just. But there's like this layer that's on top of that, like, you know, referring to him as the quote unquote antichrist of pro wrestling. This is not like a stone cold Steve Austin in the Austin versus McMahon story. No, no. It's 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 a more violent, visceral Kevin Steen. Yeah. There's nothing funny about what he's doing. At least not. Until the mm. jujitsu jack off stuff that we got over the summer, I think that was. Yeah. I know it was the anniversary show. So yeah, a couple months yes, that starts a tenth anniversary show. Yeah, but it, there, there's this this rage that he has. Mm-hmm. Like when he attacks Rhett to start this off, and and that kind of allows Kenny to really begin the match proper. He's got that. Like he's in a violent trance look on his face. And we've talked about like how Generico would sell with the mask. And and he he his eyes would bulge and you know he'd reach for the crowd. Kevin also has that facial style selling where you know what his next step is a a step of action is going to be based on the look on his face and I don't think that's something he gets credit for the Um, little things yeah the little things that's what it is the little things it's not moves it's the in-betweens it's the in-between of body language that is the difference between a good wrestler and a great wrestler. Um, you if you can do all the moves in the world, but if you can't convey a character or the little extra things that make you different than the other person who can do all the moves in the world. You know, I think I think you have a much lower ceiling. You know, Kevin. He's a jack I, of all trades. I think he's a no, because that phrase is a mat. The ending of that phrase is master of none. No, he's a jack of all trades and master of all trades. Well, then I made a new phrase. The he's end a, of that okay, phrase is master of all trades. People forget. People forget. The end of that phrase is master of none. I Meaning you do a lot, but you don't do, do any of it well. Yes, yes. Kevin is, Kevin is very, he's very well rounded as a wrestler and can communicate verbally, can communicate physically. 
as well as do moves and sell and make his opponent look good. And then you have a a reciprocal foe who is capable of the exact same things. Kenny can talk. Kenny can do the flip flops and the flies and sell. And Kenny, and I think one of the reasons I think I really, one of the reasons I really like this match is because these are two guys, when you put them against each other, they look like they're fighting. You know, they're, they're, the, 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 the shit's put in there and not, the shit's put in. You know, the, it's, 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 it's a, str- it does feel like a struggle. It does feel like two guys who are fighting to win a match, who are fighting because it matters if they win. It's not just a performance, it's, it is a fight and it matters if they win. There was a spot in this match where I thought this felt like a bar fight. Yeah, and anything like and anything goes bar fight. Yeah, not not like a pro wrestling fight fight Mm -hmm. where they're just hitting each other hard. I'm talking like a you're in a fight for the for your life kind of a thing, and you're willing to do whatever it takes to survive. So Kenny uh, gets kicked in the back of the uh, the back of the head by Kevin. They go out to the floor, and Kevin, like, takes his hand and puts it on Kenny's face and, like, is trying – almost like, you know, a pug has that squishy face. He's, he's, like, squashing Kenny's face, like, trying to push it in. Mother. Yeah. And and then he bites him in the ear. Mm -hmm. He's a sick man. This Kevin Steen. He's a Mike Tyson fan, in case you've never seen some of the gear, uh, the street clothes that Kevin wears. I, but I, but I, I, no, I agree with you. It, he does. It's it's it's. I guess some of that 2010 bleeding into who he is now because he's not the same. But he's it's, not. He's not wild, man, unkempt, mangy-looking beard, uh, bloodthirsty. Uh, Violent. It's more. It's this amalgamation of like Mister Wrestling and uh, the bloodthirsty. The bloodthirsty. Because I think that's a great word to describe part of his persona at this point. Like he's biting ears. He's smothering mm-hmm. faces. He's, but at the same time, he's you know part of these incredible wrestling sequences. Yeah. Uh, Kenny King hits a, a clothesline with Steen. Steen drops. Kenny hits the clothesline again. King delivers an STO and then the standing moonsault for a two count. Uh, Kenny misses a dive to the floor and Steen effortlessly just picks him up. Power bombs him onto the apron back when matches didn't have a apron spot every single match. Ah, yes, they did. It's 2012. We've been doing apron spots in every match since... 2000, Roddy discovered there was an apron to do backbreakers on. Uh, Kevin catches the uh, slingshot from Kenny, and King turns that into this really cool uh, top rope neck snap. Uh, he tries the, the blockbuster. That doesn't work. King and Steen fight to the ropes in the corner. Kevin pushes King off, uh, and that's the po- followed by the pop-up powerbomb. Uh, he attempts, he being Kevin, the package pile driver, but Paul Turner oh, no, reminds no, no, him. No, 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 
He got Dikembe Mutombo'd. He Dikembe Mutombo's him and says, no package pile driver. Kenny King hits this beautiful cartwheel kick to the back of Kevin's head. Kevin blocks the shotgun knees into the F-sync. And that is it. 10 minutes and 49 seconds. And the sync is five, correct? Yes. Uh, the trois cat sync set. No, we never no took French. French. I took French for high school. That's about the extent of what I remember. And qu'est-ce que c'est? Qu'est-ce que c'est? Nous partout dans la forêt. That's, yeah. Uh, and they I do really a lot. All watching this on Patreon.com. Yeah, they do a lot. Sure. They 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 get a lot out of eleven minutes. That eleven minutes. Yeah. And I don't mean that in they put you know ten pounds of shit in a five pound bag sort of way. I mean that in they make the most out of that eleven minutes um, to get over where Kevin is now as being freshly returned to the company in this new role. Um, I, Obviously, we don't have. I don't. I think they could have done with having Bobby Cruz announce to the fans that the package pile driver has been banned, um, because I do think they kind. It's kind of a question mark for the live audience. Uh, I know it was done. Probably it was done. Probably like a newswire or some shit like that coming out of Final Battle when he, you know. Package pile drinks, everybody. An article. I don't know if I wrote an article or a newswire blur or whatever, but man, it was essentially because at the end of Final Battle 2011, he tries to powerbomb everyone on Earth. Um, so they ban it. Uh, and, you know, because also in that year, he tried to package pile drive Carrie and Cornette and everyone else and their mother. Um, and,. So I think they could have done with that announcing it uh, during the entrances or in the pre the pre match after Steve leaves. Uh, but I, yeah, I thought it was in a way to you know to kind of to uh, help establish Kenny in a singles role that he's going to be in for an undetermined amount of time till Rhett's ready to go again. Yeah, uh, Rhett would not be back at it until the WrestleMania weekend, I think. Trying to think back, like early April. I get because that would have been showed out in the sun for Lauderdale. Yeah, and they wrestled the Bucks both nights. Yeah. Two yeah. great, two great matches. I hope we get to cover that WrestleMania weekend. Yes, we'll see when the poll comes around. The poll be around one day to the month of April, first week in April. Um, so Kevin's back. He's you know ready to roll here into to his big story with Davey that was coming. And uh, I thought Kenny was great here. Uh, Rhett attempts to come in to help Kenny King uh, after the, the package pile driver attempt. And Kevin just, you know, takes out Rhett's knee and locks on the sharpshooter because he's a Canadian. Yes, Canadians must sharpshoot. Uh, I, we should not let this match go. Uh, wrap up our talking about this match, though, without giving some praise to Rhett Titus, the hype man on crutches. Because Ooh, he, may be, he may be on crutches, but that does not stop him from being one hell of a ringside cheerleader for his tag team partner. 
He's using the crutches to bang on the guardrails, hold them up in the air. Like, yeah, Rhett is a uh, even even uh, on the mend. He was a hell of a uh, hell of a hype man for Kenny Kang. Well, and the other thing that Rhett did that I think can easily be overlooked because you're watching the match. If you're a fan in the crowd, yeah, you're watching the match, and if you're us watching this back on on honor club or dvd uh it's our job to watch this match but Rhett does a lot of crowd interaction too as a baby face you know he's making eye contact with people in the front couple rows or appearing to make eye contact with them Mm -hmm. as a baby face he's doing the the right thing to get everybody in for kenny all in on Kenny King. Yep. Now, the one negative, and this has nothing to do with the match itself. <sighs> Another one who stalled out um, with Annex, unfortunately. Um, I look back on it, and I think of this time frame, like we're getting hurt and whatever. It's just. Uh, how insanely they helped the Briscoes were legit heels for a very brief period of time everywhere as the the opposites to ANX and how how excited uh, fans were for when ANX won that ladder war in September uh, of 2011 and just did not capitalize we were we were unable to a ring of honor was unable to capitalize i think on the momentum that the that ANX had uh in 2011 coming out of the Briscoe's feud in that ladder match so i not to take this in another direction, but uh, relevant to all the all nights as a tag team, I I think Delirious did a really poor job with them, not just once, but twice, and he had two chances to really make them the centerpiece of the tag division. One was in his control, the other was out of his control. And, you know, injuries are, are part of wrestling, but they got to come back. The contract situation happened with Kenny and he left. Kenny comes back and X reunites in, you know, a show that we've watched, uh, All Star 7. Um, they got a great reaction. They beat the Briscoes. And then they got put you know, in the corner again. And I just, this is a match that stands out to me. And there've been a number of them with Kenny over the years where he's had these great matches and nothing ever happens. He's had a couple TV title runs and then he just keeps running into the wall while holding the TV title and falls over and somebody pins him and beats him. (laughs) What? Like he he has he wins a TV title, defends it a couple times, doesn't really have like a feud or anything, and then he loses mm-hmm. the TV title. Okay. 
There's a, a big wall, a glass ceiling, if you will. Gotcha. Runs okay. into the, the delirious glass ceiling. Uh, I see what you mean. I'm just like, I, I and I, I reference it, you know, because this is the first show of 2012. So it kind of made me, you know, and I, just watching the matches, I had a lot of that, you know, stalling out, treading water. Um, regardless of how good individual matches may be, like in the big picture, it was like, it was. They had the ladder war in September of 2011. They don't wrestle for the tag belts until June of the next year. But in the end, so I'm like, okay, wait. And I had to double check to make sure there wasn't multiple title matches in there. Um, they could, you just look at the cage match version of, of their history. And a lot of the dates for TV are taping dates, not necessarily air dates. Back to back to back. It's they won the number one contendership ladder war. But then in this TV taping, they lost a that they then they lost the number one contenders match to the Briscoes on TV. But then they won a proving ground match against Charlie and Shelton. But then they lost the number one contendership match at Final Battle. In the in that gauntlet that the, the Young Bucks won. Um, and you wonder why I can't remember anything. Yeah, and it's like, so I was very confused, and it's like, okay, well, wait, they had the, they did have, because I'm like not remembering, I'm like, I remember the head, and then there's, there is a Glory by Honor 10 title match with wrestling's greatest tag team that they lost. Mm-hmm. I just, it's just up, and I down, just, up, it, down, up, down, up, down. What, what, you don't go forward if you're going up and down. Hmm. Well, and I think, and that's why, like, it's so easy to forget that Gloria by Honor match because there's, so, they, they literally had three number one contenders matches in a row of various kinds, won two of them, lost one of them. <laughs> and then they wrestle another one at the end of the year after their title match. So it just, it, it there was, it's one of those things they were so, Hot coming off that ladder war. Yep. That it's they they were primed to be the ones dethroning Charlie and Shelton, as opposed to Briscoe's title run number. I don't know at this point five. We'll just say five or six. It's coming out of two thousand eleven. Um, I just, it's, it was another one of those things. Where it was like I love this match. Fuck, Rick got hurt. But even before that. Just all momentum uh, as a team. Yeah. And I felt like that just ends up being a, a, that just is a theme for a lot of people uh, here in these first three matches, Um, regardless of like great matches you may have. uh, Lots of not moving up or down just there. Yeah, I, I think that's a very fair statement. And, you know, I, I think people have said, oh, you know, Jeff's overly critical of Delirious as a booker. Well, we just recapped three matches where there were multiple people and, and multiple acts in different roles in the company that stayed in those roles for two and a half, three years, sometimes longer. And then it's like you said, the confusing nature of that. Literally, they have three number one contenders matches in a row uh, from the ladder war 
to a number one contenders match to a proving ground match. They win two of them, they lose one. And so it's just this mess. Well, we go next to your final on-camera appearance for Ring of Honor. And it is a singles match between Chris Hero and Michael Elgin. Michael Elgin accompanied by Truth Martini. And uh, I guess if you could kindly explain why after the Sinclair taping started in August and the Kings of Wrestling said goodbye, uh, Chris Hero is here to return to say hello and goodbye. Well, I guess just to put it simply, he's here because uh, there was just um, just some lag between him leaving and getting all of the paperwork and medical and everything done that you need to get done to get signed um, officially to, uh, to 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 WWE. Um, yeah, because you got to figure they had that last match in the very first episode of um, Sinclair CV in August. And then he came back as a surprise at uh, at Final Battle to wrestle Roddy. Um, that was, and that's what it was. It was just the wheels uh, moving very slowly in his. Um, I can talk in the whole process of, of, I guess, medical testing or whatever else that they do. Uh, you know, it was kind of the similar, you know, I mean, look at, we discussed it with other people, the years, Nigel testing, Brian testing, whatever happened with Claudio the first time back in 2006, where he was leaving and then wasn't, you know, sometimes it's, sometimes it's smooth. Sometimes it's not. You never know. And this was a case where there were bumps in the road and we had to have him back for a couple a couple shows before he uh, before he left again for two years and came back two years later. Back back in Dayton, if I remember correctly, would have been the the first. Well, I think it was a case. I think he may. I don't remember. I obviously I don't know because I haven't watched it, but. My recollection from reading or seeing is that he came back as a surprise at Final Battle 2013, but wrestled for the first right. time in 2014. Yes, and I, I know we discussed this a couple of weeks ago, where I did not remember the return at Final what Battle. What a shock! I know, right? Been hitting the head too many times, but stop using that as an excuse. It's true, though. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So have I. Yeah, well, there's a lot of us out there living in mellow mushroom land. But so I guess my question for you would be this is your is why I'm here. No. Oh, because it makes total sense why you would wrap up in this fashion and make Chris Hero a baby face against Michael Ogan. I'm only there because Hero asked me to come. I wasn't going to this show. This show might be five, ten minutes from where I might, where from where I live at the time. We had moved in our, we have not, we had not moved into our house yet. But I wasn't going to a fucking show unless they were paying me to go. Was it and because you didn't I want to socialize, or was it because you? I literally didn't just want to. Kick, I'd gotten kicked off the crew for very 
you know, apparently because a single ring skirt costs three thousand dollars. Ha ha ha. L O L. I'll pretend you said it costs eighteen thousand. Yes. Um, you know, just two months prior, two and a half months prior, I had no remote interest or desire uh, to go. Um, but it being ten minutes from my house, from my apartment actually being asked to come by hero uh i went because hero had an idea to kind of close the chapter that was never closed and so we did that um And And the other part of it, also, I think I got it also kind of got talked into coming because it was also um, it was also Sid's had Sid had been fired. (laughs) Sid was already fired, but he didn't know it until after a final battle or um, chose not to pub to say anything until after final battle. Uh, chose not to say anything at final battle possibly or happened after final battle I don't recall the timing but he was also convinced to come to Philly and say goodbye to everybody because his was like the only firing that was not acrimonious I suppose no it was not Um, it was completely expected and uh, when it happened it was just um you know, him coming back and saying goodbye was not a a tense thing. So I that that's why I was there. I was there because I was requested. I was asked to do it. Um, well, and was, I had no interest in going, despite it being so close to my home. Because, yeah, was there a part of you that that once you got taken off the crew that missed being around the boys? Um, part, yes. Because there's Yeah, there's definitely parts of it that were missed. Uh, being around the locker room, the, the people, um, yes. Okay. Because I, I, I feel like, you know, 10 minutes from the house, that's... Uh, a lot of the reason I was going to shows when I wasn't a, necessarily a big fan of what I was seeing okay. was... The, but I'm in the stack It's a huge difference between um I understand. Going going as a fan, even if you're not a fan of the product at the time, versus um being fired from a portion of your job and having a good chunk of your income being taken away yes. from you. No, you're uh, you're absolutely it's correct. A huge difference, my friend. I'm I'm just saying that the the socialization factor was so important in each side of the equation that that's something you can't replace when people are coming from all these different places. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get Yeah. No, I, I did. I did. I mean, it was only been a short period of time at that point, but that was something I would come to miss about it. And that's, you know, to me, that's the biggest gift that Ring of Honor created was so many incredible friendships uh, for me. I mean, the wrestling is is what it is. Like, it's either really, really great or it's, you know, really not. 
And I look back at these shows and, and moments like your return here with Hero having not been at shows, the socialization that that brotherhood, be it as a wrestler, manager, referee, performer, whatever, versus, you know, just being a fan a fan with everybody on one side of the the aisle, it's kind of same same. And when you're away for a long time, you miss people. And I think a lot of people in society are starting to learn that now with quarantine and, and social distancing and things of that nature. Um, that friendships and brotherhoods are very important. And you should tell your, your people that. So to all my friends that listen every week, just know I miss you all very much and you're important to me. Um, You know, I talk to you every day, multiple times. <laughs> Not speaking to you. my real friends. I'm real. I'm a real boy. <laughs> okay, Pinocchio. But so with, to get back to get back to this, um, it was. It's hard for me. Like I guess I to put it into some context too. Like. Final battle of 2011. I kind of, which we didn't you now didn't win the poll, so we didn't talk about it too much. But I talked about it a little bit in my I got fired episode, and I talked about it a little bit when we did the Kevin Seen Hell Rising episode. Uh, I was doing my Steen is Right thing, um, which didn't ultimately go anywhere and just turned into my own way to amuse myself but you know i kind of did the reveal that it was me austin it was me all along uh during final battle 2011 on twitter and so just to uh lean into that a little bit for my own personal amusement i was wearing that my shirt underneath my jacket uh here and uh brian um i always forget brian's last name god damn it uh, he would always come to Philly and help us out, set up the crew in New York. A light tower fell on his head and split him open once. And this is just a, this is a fan who would come and help us. So, God, we felt absolutely awful. Uh, but I always forget Brian's last name, despite have, having been around him for a decade. Uh, but he was good, he was a, a good dude who helped us out a lot. But he was wearing the shirt uh, at the show as well. So I just kind of was like, hey, yeah. It's like when Shawn Michaels, you know, pulled his jacket aside and did the click sign to the camera. It was me going to him going, Steve's right shirt. Yeah. Well, thanks to uh, Sugarfoot Alex Payne, I now own my own Steen is right shirt. Yeah. Only took uh, him three years. <laughs> uh, and I got all my newest stuff from him. Be- so. Before I, I, I reveal uh, my thoughts on this match... Uh, I do have to mention that coming to patreon.com backslash an honorable pod is one of the best Christmas gifts. Uh, Festivus, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, New Year's all rolled into one gifts that I have ever received. Uh, I got copies from Alex Payne of literally every Ring of Honor program. Ah, so you have all of my writing. I have all of your writing. And I have read many of those pieces of writing. Mm. Uh, in the last couple of days. Um, so I will be eventually scanning those in 
uh, and very carefully removing the staples that are so aptly placed in the upper left-hand corner uh, so that our patrons in the uh, $12 and up tier, patreon.com backslash honorable pod can get a look into the program business. And that original triple shot WrestleMania weekend was a labor of love on my part with all the Dragon Gate profiles. Also, was was Kev Yeager doing writing, or did you guys just throw his name in there? I just put his name. I probably just threw his name on something. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I was like, this doesn't strike me as being a Kevin Yeager thing. I just put his name on there. Yeah. So this match, I love it so much. It is literally a highlight reel of every awesome Chris Hero iteration in Ring of Honor in chronological order while making Michael Elgin look like a star. Yeah, I used the word amalgamation to describe Kevin, and that is what I would use Hero here too. He kind of he takes pieces of every part of him in his Ring of Honor tenure, and here is superhero. Ah, see what I did there? Yeah, absolutely. It was it was phenomenal. It was and yeah, it, this is for my time frame of Ring of Honor, and actually, you know, uh, for the year or so going forward from this I would still I would put this as like one of Elgin's like top three matches in the entire tenure of Ring of Honor that I was a part of so what would you group in with with that the Steen match and I can't say the Davy match because I've never watched it the showdown and the Sun match Okay. I don't. Th- I don't. I should say I don't have no recollection of it if I ever did watch it because so, after I after I was no longer on the road, a lot of it just became. I just took the DVDs home to have them, and was not watching so as much as when I was physically there live watching them on the monitor or at ringside or wherever. So the the Davy match. I think is this perfect storm. And I'll be curious if that wins the WrestleMania weekend poll, how it ages. I'm gonna say it's not going to age as well as I remembered it live, but this match made me want to see more of Michael Elgin. He followed Chris Hero in this match so well he didn't do anything that was selfish or uh, it it didn't feel like it was lopsided if that that makes any sense you know some of the Elgin matches we've talked about where it it just feels like it's him showing himself off and then not really Yeah, I think there was definitely a lot more give and take here with him um, I loved the disparity out of Chris Hero, like to try and find a way to win. Um, you know, there's a, a sequence where Elgin catches uh, Hero's uh, slingshot elbow, and then you know catches him like over his shoulder and does the Samoan drop, and then up after that, you've got Elgin and Hero like trying to like figure out a way to control one another and like um, 
I don't know what the right word would be, but it, it felt like a struggle to gain positioning. And Elgin just uses his pure brute strength and picks up Hero in this big vertical suplex. Um, but he he can't keep him up. So then he just, you know, drops Hero and then kicks him right in the chest. Mm-hmm. Um, that showed... My, one of my most enjoyable spots in this is Elgin. Yeah, he... he he, Hero's coming off the ropes and Elgin chops him and Hero just walks through it like are you fucking kidding me and then just turns around and blasts him <laughs> with his elbows and I popped for it. He, he concusses with his kicks and he kills with but his it, elbows. It reminded me of like, it reminded me of something that would be I don't know an old man Tenru spot you know. Kenta chops him and he just looks at it like what was that bullshit? Punches him in the face and knocks well, him it's down. The, it's the Takayama and, spot. Mm-hmm. From the, the Takayama Kenta match, where Kenta like kicks him in the the legs, and Takayama kind of just nods, and then Kenta chops him, and Takayama nods, and then Kenta kicks him really really hard, and then I went ooh, and Takayama nods, mm-hmm. and then Takayama just whacks him, and down he goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's it's just such a I don't know, and it's also the look on Hero's face. We talked about it with Kevin. I'll you know put that on Hero too. It's that that extra ability to sell with every part of your being. And when they say sell, I'm not just talking. Oh, my arm hurts because they've been working on it. I mean, like you're selling. It's real from bell to bell, from entrance to exit. It's real. I'm selling that. Are you serious? From that chop on my face with my body language, like every single thing about him, about hero being him here is selling this match, his thoughts on this match, his opponent. Like it's, you can see everything uh, when you watch hero at this point, he's just a wrestling genius. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 to steal a phrase, I mean that's a hundred percent appropriate. And it's, and as a result, I think he's the perfect person uh, as you know a a much you know it only had been four months, but a much missed presence on the roster, a much missed baby face. You know, he, he this is this this match right here. This is the only time here has worked baby face in Ring of Honor. Yep, right ever. here, up to up, well, up, up till here. Up, yes, from El Freezes Over in 2006. Literally six years later, same building where he debuted. Damn near to the day, uh, this is the first time Hero has ever been in a babyface role. Yes, fans have responded to him as a babyface and cheered him, but he's always been a heel. This is the first time. He has ever been a babyface, and it could not have been in a more perfect role than, unlike some of the people we talked about in the previous matches, Elgin did have a sense of upward momentum and going somewhere, uh, coming out of Survival of the Fittest that we talked about in the archives and just some of the other stuff he had been doing. Like Elgin had some momentum and some feeling of moving up, up the ranks here. Yeah, they, so they, putting him against putting him against Hero, who is selfless like hero has is he knows 
he knows how to do it. He knows how to tell that story in the match. He knows how to get the most out of somebody like Elgin and make him believable and help make him as he's three months away from wrestling for the world title. There's also it's this some weird convoluted blind destiny challenge survival of the fittest or crazy weird whack bullshit way that he gets his title match. There's also this amazing like contrast in physical stature that helps this match in mm-hmm. a certain way because Elgin looks like this just hoss strong man compared well, he's to five ten vertically and horizontally. Yes. He's a square. Yeah. Okay, I wanted to let that line linger for a second. Yeah. Um, it, he he looks like this brute strength, you know, bane type uh lifting a 64 Chris Hero, 65 Chris Hero, whatever. You know, and Chris is in, you know, like Kings of Wrestling final chapter shape still. And that doesn't mean he's, you know, a skinny dude. Um, he's he's a svelte man. Like, he's bulk. He's got some bulk to him. And, you know, he's clearly getting ready to head off to WWE. And Elgin, you know, physically manhandles Chris when he needs to. The yeah. Saido suplex in the finishing sequence where, you know, Elgin hits the Saido suplex... Uh, Hero just kind of looks like he's loopy and dizzy and then they both start exchanging punches and chops and Hero hits a, ro- a rolling elbow uh, he-, he misses a moonsault Hero hits a bicycle kick and then the cyclone kicks cyclone uh, kill I don't know why it always bothers me people to say cyclone kick cyclone kill kill uh and that doesn't succeed for him. Hero's got this, like, you know, the the uh, the look of, like, what else can I possibly do to this man to knock him out? I can cuss with my kicks at KO with my elbows. These are not working. So Elgin blocks the Cyclone kill one more time. He buckle bombs Hero, who makes that look just so dangerous. And just the visual of Elgin at 510 getting hero at 6465 up is just a, an impressive visual because of the dichotomy of their their heights uh it's the spinning elgin bomb for the win at 14 minutes and 43 seconds and kevin ford said it best um this is a a wonderful conglomeration of all the roh personas that chris hero portrayed and salute to Chris Hero because he's so good. Yes. Everything yep. he does. Like I I've, I miss. It's been nine months, I think. Yeah. Since his last match in NXT UK. I miss seeing Hero. Yeah. I miss seeing the human. Uh, because it's been many, many years since uh, he wrestled a pro wrestling explosion show against Jake something. But right. I... Uh, is that on IWTV? I don't know. I have no idea. It's Probably in- not, because I think the only shows that got put up there were, for the most part, ones that were at the Wrestle Factory. Uh, but 
I I miss seeing him wrestle like on the regular. He's somebody that I think over time I've grown to really have a fondness for because of all the tiny things he does that have been taken from so many of the older generation that I just grew up adoring and then, you know, as I got to be into tape trading, sought out. Um, in this match, he pulls out some Tracy Smothers yep. stuff. Uh, which, you know, that brought a, a little bit of a tear to our to my eye because, you know, Tracy passed away within the last couple of months. It just... There's so many things that Chris does that just make me smile. And that's all I can ask for from a wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, so after the match, Hero, you know, gets the loss. Um, for some strange reason, you turn your back on your friend. Well, he made me leave. He said he was going to do it on his own. And, well, he did it on his own. He didn't do it well. But he did it on his own. You gave him a verbal lashing. Yeah. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I think the only... I believe the nobody wants you line came from Chris directly. But everything else was just... See what comes out. See what comes out of my mouth when we get out there. Fly. Well, you name you name drop Claudio, which you know, hero gets annoyed. You know, his face had like a bit of annoyance. Nice. How we kind of told a story in the two minutes that this segment lasts. Of all right, whatever. I'm just being a dick. He can walk away from it, and so I amp up my verbal. Verbal onslaught. I'm the reason the Kings of Wrestling were the longest reigning Ring of Honor tag team champions. And I wanted to make sure to get that in there because, god damn it, As it's important should. to put over. They are the. I mean, the Briscoes I may mean, have the, the most. Uh, but I think to this day, they're still the longest reigning tag team champions. They have to be. Mm. I, I can't imagine. The Bris- you know, because the Briscoes, it was like, oh, they'd run hot and then it would get kind of boring and then they'd drop them and get them back like a month later because mm. there'd be nobody else to go to. But uh, when you called him a bum that nobody wants, he lights you up like a Christmas tree in, in wherever they put that big tree in New York City. And Rockefeller Center, Rockefeller Center, whatever. Yeah. Rockefeller Center. Rockefeller is Jay-Z. Rockefeller Center. Yeah. H to the Izzo. Um, But he knocks you out with the elbow, and uh, you're finally shut up uh, for good. For good. Never to be seen again uh, as a a player on on Ring of Honor television, DVD, or pay-per-view. No, but your legacy lives on as one of the greatest managers in the history. Officially, it was officially. Yes. Were you number two, two or two? two I or think. 
I want to say two behind I think truth. Two was the first that came to mind. I want to say it was number two behind truth. So you know, thank, how, thank you, thank you, Ian. Rick how Bonnie. truth got to be number one is fascinating. Uh-huh. I mean, there was this guy Larry Sweeney. There was Julius Smokes who managed the world champion. Uh, and the tag yeah, team champion. I managed, I managed the longest reigning tag team champion in the history of the company and the very first Triple Crown winner. And the very first TV champion, and another set of tag champions in the American Wolves, and I had a trophy. <laughs> I, I'm I'm letting you know. You know, you know, who, you know who didn't have a trophy? Roger Strong or Adam Cole? They didn't have a trophy. They didn't. But Roger did have a big check. He did. That's two weeks in a row we've mentioned the big check. But he didn't uh, have a trophy. I won a big check in my life. Doesn't have to be for more than like one. Gave you one. Give me a thank you. Yep. Uh, I, had a blue not, ch- I had a blue check. I just made a big check in the air. I had a blue check once. Now I'm now I'm at Mr. Jeff Schwartz zero on Twitter. Uh, I gotta get those follows up. Bring them over from the old account. Unless my my old account comes back, then disregard. Um, backstage, Kevin Steen says that he's going to end the year as Ring of Honor World Champion. He tells Kenny King he needs to drop the dead weight that's attached to him if he truly wants to succeed. So now he's going after my friend, Rhett Titus. He never said Rhett's name. He could have been talking about something else, like, I don't know, Kenny's daughter. That's mean. I'm just saying he never says Rhett by name. Kenny talked about his daughter in his opening, you know, in the video I promo, so maybe you never know. Kevin was could have been talking about anything. He never says rep by name. I don't know. I trust that. He is the Antichrist <laughs> of pro wrestling. <laughs> I'm going to shoehorn the Antichrist of pro wrestling in <laughs> as many and times he, as I can just to stick it to Sinclair. Mm. Um, not Todd Sinclair either. Corporation. Uh, he likes Kenny King, uh, but he just happened to be in Kevin's way this evening. Uh, Kevin says he also plans to take out Adam Cole tomorrow in Norfolk, Virginia, on January 21st. Uh, everybody knows that Kevin is a animal lover. He's a quote-unquote zoo enthusiast. He even had a and t-shirt. He did have a, a, a zoo enthusiast t-shirt. Might still be for sale at Wrestling tickets, maybe. Those stores open and close pretty often. Um, But all he wants this year is a wolf. More on that if the anniversary show from year 10 wins the poll. Young wolves rising. Uh, Truth Martini is here. He's with Michael Elgin. Martini... Uh, goes on about being a manager to the stars of Ring of Honor, the top guys, Roderick Strong, Michael Elgin. Really, that's the only two people he manages. So I don't know. Michael Elgin. Yeah, the uh, Guardians of Truth had not debuted yet. So now it's still what year away? I know it was a, during 2012. The Headbangers, folks. Yep, 2012. The Headbangers. Elgin says he has endured all the elbows and boots that Chris Hero could throw at him. Uh, He's proving that he is truly unbreakable and that 2012 is the beginning of his path to enlightenment. 
was going to open no. his third eye. Yeah. You did a much better version of that promo than he did. Oh, yeah, this sucked. Yeah, it was not good. You hit me with an elbow. I survived. You hit me with another elbow. I survived. They said. Has came in and said, that's my word, and choked him out. That'd have been a much better promo. Fucking Taz coming in there and just choking Michael Hogan out and being like, bitch. And then just walking away. Peeing Best thing him. ever. Best thing ever. Taz rules. Uh, Truth Martini and Roderick Strong make their way out to the ring. And uh, Strong says he was supposed to meet Eddie Edwards in a no-holds-barred match tonight. And course we know that eddie is unfortunately befallen with a staph infection uh strong wishes that jay lethal and davy richards uh could be uh, in the no holds barred match but he's coming for both of them and uh he doesn't care who wins he's got no you know remorse no yeah no he well he has no remorse but uh he's got no bones to pick from he doesn't care he wants a referee to come out and count eddie edwards out so that he can achieve a win now to me this is silly if you are a heel to do so because now you're just inviting somebody to come be eddie edwards pseudo replacement oh no he just wants the record the win on his record even though eddie's had to forfeit you know because that's pro wrestling Someone can't compete, so you get the win by forfeit. It goes in your record book. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wins and losses. Yes. Much what happens in... All in, about being bosses. Much what happens in boxing and MMA. If your opponent can't compete, you just get the win. Well, Adam Cole makes his way out before... Baby. There you go. Put those two fingers up. And, uh, wrong <laughs> too. You need two additional ones to do the Adam Cole. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got to yell, Bay Bay, mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Cole comes out and, uh, he thinks that he would be a suitable replacement for one Eddie Edwards. And he would even agree to adhere to the no holds barred stipulation, which he did not say in the way that you are supposed to say the words no holds barred which is no holds barred uh, truth tells cole flat out that it would be a handicap match which this would have been a great opportunity for him to channel the spirits of tracy smothers and say straight up it's a handicap match you're going to die truth martin did not do so so Adam Cole decides he wants the match anyways. Truth Martini tells Adam Cole that Adam's just going to have to shut him up if he wants the match. So Adam Cole hits him with super kick. And we are off to the races. In case you have not been paying attention thus far to the show, this is the second time there's been a talking segment that has ended with something and then a match. Yes. Well, the one thing that I can say about this match is this is the Adam Cole breakout party. 
Yeah. yeah. This is this is a match where you actually can physically and emotionally see a character grow before your eyes. Yep. Yep. Uh it's like everything that we talked about in the opening match of them spinning their wheels for a year and a half. We finally have something by virtue of Eddie having a staph infection. Adam gets his gets a moment and Roddy certainly makes him earn it <laughs> as tooth. Uh, half of the Undisputed Era beats the piss out of each other. Well, I should I say, Roddy beats the piss out of... <laughs> I was going to say, like, Adam. Roddy is doing the, the <laughs> brutality for the, the 17, 18 minutes this match lasts. Roddy beats the shit out of Adam Cole for 10 and a half minutes <laughs> with chairs and stuff. But it is. It's like you get to see... Cole in a in against a top guy like the one of the you know he hadn't adopted Mr. ROH as a moniker yet but Roddy's um Roddy's one of the top guys here he's in he's the establishment he, even he's, though he's not quite Mr. ROH yet he no, is a made man definitely he's definitely an establishment he's you know Eight years with the company, barely missed any shows. You know, if you go into history, you know, chose Ring of Honor over TNA. Uh, he's he has done everything pretty much he can. Wrestled everybody that had come through the doors, and you would be hard pressed to find somebody on the roster that. Would be the right opponent to make a guy. His credentials were another year before Adam Cole is the guy for Ring of Honor. More than a year, uh, year and a half. But I I think as a singles wrestler, you can trace it back to this match. Kind of this match being the start of proving that. For proving for Ring of Honor audiences what the entire rest of the independent wrestling landscape already knew. I would say, like, top guy. He, everywhere else he worked, he was already the man. And then in Ring of Honor, he's in this tag team that just can't get out of the starting gates. Even though when you think they do, they still don't. So, I think not only is, is a couple of things. So, not only is Adam Cole the perfect guy to step in for Eddie, there wouldn't have been a better choice on this card. No. Plus, it helped and it helped continue the seeds that had been planted between the two of them. Yep. You, you not only putting Adam in this spot, you have. Adam and Eddie now kind of sharing a common uh, a common space. Yeah. So that leads into the anniversary show tag match against Davey and Kyle. You know, it was supposed to be a friendly exhibition competition or whatever. But the the other thing that it this does is it tells me 
that the path for Adam Cole to the top of the card was not sown yet in Ring of Honor. It didn't... It felt like this match is what led to a lot of the convincing. And had this not happened, if Eddie was healthy and Eddie and Roddy had this amazing, incredible... Well, they no would have. Bar I match, don't think which, that's. I, I think that's unquestionable. They would have had a hell of a, yeah. hell of a match that, if either of them would have walked out in their own power, would have been exceptional. Right. Because we've seen how they beat the hell out of each other in traditional rules matches. So imagine what they would have done to each other with a no holds barred. No holds barred. So, like, if let's say Eddie's healthy and it's Roddy, what is Adam Cole's? path going forward. I think it just would have been with Kyle and that feud and then just would have it still would have happened. I mean it still would have happened. I don't think that's in doubt. I I just wonder how fast. I mean if this maybe sped up the that tag match was still gonna happen at the tenth anniversary show. It's just now there's an extra wrinkle in the story. I mean, I, I'm assumption is that, you know, you literally just put at you as far as storyline beats in this match, you're just putting Cole in to make the save for Eddie instead of Eddie making the save for Cole. Fair. Um, I say being made as Elgin does a run in. By the way. Yes. Um, so. Here's here's the the other equation to all this. Roddy controls and and does the bulk of this match. Mm-hmm. Like they go 16-24. Roddy is just abusing Cole. And the more Adam fights back, the harder Roddy hits him. The more insane Roddy hits him. The like the the spot where Roddy hits the death by Roderick and gets a two count um, right after Adam Cole drops him, you know, uh, on the ring frame, which, you know, more apron bumps. There's the hardest part of the ring, in case you didn't know. I didn't. It's a rumor. It's a, it's a rumor and innuendo. Um, this, there's just something about about like as each blow is being landed on Adam Cole's body and how he's looking out into the people for their physical assistance. This is as loud as the crowd got all night, I I believe. It's it's trying to rally Adam Cole into rising up. So Elgin runs out, he jumps Cole, Eddie comes out the the odds are, are back to even. Uh, Eddie and, and Elgin kind of exchange some shots uh, safely, uh, making their way to the the backstage area. Um, and at that point, like this match has reached insanity levels. Roddy and Cole are throwing just hard strikes at each other. Uh, Adam Cole hits a Falcon Arrow through a couple of uh, chairs that are lined up. Truth Martini is back on his feet. He pulls Paul Turner out of the ring. And that's something that I think deserves acknowledgement right there. Because Truth is taken out before the match officially starts. 
not to be seen again. He doesn't sell up at all uh, based on what you see in the cameras. Um, There's no shots of him like holding himself up or crawling to his feet. Truth is, uh, aside from from Kevin Kelly mentioning like or, or Hunter mentioning like one time, Truth Martini's still out on the floor from that super kick. Like, there's no acknowledgement of his existence. <laughs> and then he just pops up and is there. And it, it just, it was such a great, uh, not great, it was such a good moment in the match because he's gone long enough that you forget. And if commentary hadn't acknowledged him being out on the floor at all, it just, it's a, it's, it's a fraction of a second where they mention him on commentary, but he, take that little bit out and it just makes that spot to me even better because it's 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 the equivalent of to me you know if they had set up a table in the corner around the floor on the floor set a table up out on the floor and you don't get to it until the finish you forget about it because it's out there for so long and so much other stuff has happened that you kind of don't remember the tables there until somebody falls through it. Truth was that. You forget he's out there until suddenly he pops up to rip the match away from Adam Cole. Very, very good moment. The timing was really spectacular. And I think that's that goes into Truth Martini being a veteran wrestler, but also having the patience to basically lay there or not be seen for 15 and a half minutes. Yep. Which is incredibly yeah, hard when your job is to be an attention or a ringside. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they do the spot with the chairs. Uh, Turner, you know, gets pulled out of the ring, breaking up the pinfall. Adam Cole pulls Truth up to the apron um, from the floor. Strong kicks Adam in the back of the head. And then we get the big, uh, I, I don't want to call it reckless, but like um, it's it's the suplex into the backbreaker, but it's one of those suplexes where he just suplexes <laughs> him up and just hopes he lands in the right <laughs> spot. Yes. Uh, it, it's, it's an amazing looking fucking finish. I, I mean, that's, I, and for some reason, I, I yeah, I pick on as I started Bill Berger, Hunter, not knowing the names of moves. <laughs> but I literally always forget if that's the end of heartache. It is. Yeah. I always think so, but. Because, I mean, like, there's a point in that suplex. Because a, a standard suplex requires some cooperation. Yeah. Roddy just picks him up and launches him into the air and says, eh, fuck your couch, land on my knees. Yeah. There's no cooperating with gravity. Gravity yeah. doesn't make a deal. Gravity so that gives, kills, though. Gravity does indeed kill. And uh, this that gravity killed Adam Cole in this match, much like they did on Being the Elite. And he became a ghost. Uh, Roddy gets the win, 16 minutes, 24 seconds. And, uh, I mean, my goodness, Adam Cole is now somebody here. 
on his own. Yeah. He's he is now bigger than Future Shock. Yes. And yep. also bigger than Starcade ninety. Uh or eighty nine, whatever. Eighty nine. Eighty nine. Collision course was ninety. Uh he is now bigger than Future Shock and he now has some serious credibility on the single scene having gone toe to toe with Roddy and Roddy beating the fuck out of him and him surviving it and fighting back and not backing down and uh, I think although the Eddie Roddy match would have been a killer fight this was more beneficial to the big picture of Ring of Honor than absolutely a third or fourth Roderick versus Eddie match would have been. Absolutely, a hundred percent agreed. Uh, the unknown and untalented backstage redheaded female announcer with glasses is here, and she is unfortunately with the Briscoes, and it is unfortunate for the Briscoes that they had to be with her. They have no idea who she is. And boy, would we all be a lot better off if that was the case. She says that Hallow Wicked and Jigsaw are looking to beat them tonight. Of course, Hallow Wicked and Jigsaw are representing Chikara. Mark says if nothing else, they need to prove something to the Briscoes in this Proving Ground match. Jay says ROH isn't a comic book factory and that Chikara is coming into their house tonight. That, of course, leads us back out to the ring. Of course, we're going to ignore the fact Jigsaw was a, a part of Ring of Honor for like two and a half years. Yeah. And how Wicked had dipped his toes into the ROH waters as well. Yeah. Uh, I do want I did want to mention uh, that how Wicked is somebody that I think has been ignored for far too long. And I don't know what his status is with wrestling. Um, obviously, with the death of Chikara over the last six months, um, I know you know being in the the COVID pandemic, not a lot of of wrestlings to be done. Um, hopefully, once this is you know a return to normalcy, somebody can find some room for Hallow Wicked. Wow, Jay and Mark wrestled Akuma and Icarus in two thousand seven on a Chikara show at the arena. Yes. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, it is a and not just Jigsaw though. Hollow Wicked as well. Um, just these are there's a reason, you know, as someone who was very familiar, obviously, with the product as as he worked there for quite a long time. Sparayo, a lot less once he became the Booker. Um, but you know, I, I think I think it was clear to anybody. Um, who knew anything about Chikara or had seen either of these two wrestle that uh, Jigsaw and Hollow Wicked were, although not not the te- not a team in Chikara at this point. I don't know if there ever were a team in Chikara, uh, but they're like the best, uh, the heart of, and soul of, of the company. They, you know, it's they they are the two best um and as representing of especially as representatives of what you think of when you think chikara and the 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 
lucha influenced costumes, comic booky, etc. You don't think of necessarily uh, of Kingston, of Eddie Kingston as a Chakara, even though he was yeah, the first grand champion. You know, we, but in terms of I think poster children of what you think of Chakara, Jigsaw and Hollow Wicked, and phenomenal fucking talents, so good. So, so good. The best choices they could have made uh, for two people um, to to be the ones facing the Briscoes in this match. Yeah, it, it's, it's really a, a dream tag team match in kind of a period where there weren't a whole lot of dream tag team matches that hadn't been done yet. Well, and... Yeah, I think that's where the benefit I think of having Hunter on commentary comes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's to, of his Chikara knowledge. Like I said, he like I joked, he knows the names of the moves for the Chikara guys better than he knows the names of the moves. You know, he gets a lot of Joey Styles "Oh my God"s in for Ring of Honor guys moves, but knows the name of every move Jigsaw Hollywood could do. Because I think at this point he was um, part of BD Hunter was part of BDK. Uh, he was in and out of the company, but he was part of BDK, as if, uh, if I remember right from looking over his his Jakar history before we recorded. Um, Where he had the he was like chained up, right? Yeah, he was. I mean, BDK was like half the goddamn roster at one point. <laughs> so, uh, but he wasn't wrestling. He was sporadically, very sporadic as. You know, with with his now being the booker of the company, um, but he 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 knew he knew the stories to tell with these guys, and he knew how to you know convey them. Um, There's, but I don't know. It's one of those things where I look at it and and it worked because it worked out because as we we've talked about unity in the archives, um, you know that was the whole point of this. It really doesn't go much deeper than that. So if there were people who thought that we were getting a rehash of the CZW feud from this, um, people did. I, I, now, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked, um, or had the same level of interest. But I think it was just, it was a fun thing to do. Even if it, you know, from an office standpoint, I think it was kind of like, really? But I look back on it now, eight years later, nine years later, and was like, yeah, it was a fun thing to do. And it was, did it did no, it did no, it didn't boost business in any way, shape, or form. It didn't suddenly make this a, a hot topic of conversation or a hot DVD seller because there was Chikar versus Ring of Honor match on here. Um, I think the Kingston and Steen dynamic was more interesting to people than this. Uh, but these, uh, the, the two matches they produced were quite entertaining. I enjoyed this match. I did too. I love Hallowicked. I love Jigsaw. Even though Jigsaw is a North Carolina Tar Heels fan, um, and obviously, you know, Briscoes are the Briscoes, best damn tag team in Ring of Honor history, uh, beside the Kings of Wrestling, and they all complement 
each other stylistically. Like th- this was the appropriate combination of guys from Takara to come together to face the Briscoes. And during the course of the match, there's a ton of action. They don't go as long as I seem to recall. They only go 1358, but there's a lot of shenanigans at the end. Um, Quackenbush makes his way out to ringside, uh, but he assures uh, Todd Sinclair, I think it was Todd that was refing this, um, that he's not going to interfere. Um, he's, you know, pounding on the mat, playing the role of manager. Quite frankly, I think he probably would have benefited from being out there from the beginning with those guys just to ensure. Nah. Because then you could send everybody else out later mm. as like a rallying, you know, a moment of, let's go, Chikara, come on, yay. But it, it felt lesser than. It was, you know, Quackenbush came out when the Briscoes were getting ready to walk away and just take the count out and be done with it. Uh, Jay pushes Jigsaw off the top rope onto the timekeeper's table and the table doesn't break, which maybe that was where Michael Elgin got his promo from. And <laughs> Jay double stomps Jigsaw through the table, which looked absolutely miserable. And uh, not in a bad way or anything, but miserable to be Jigsaw taking the legs of Jay Briscoe and going through the table. Uh, Quackenbush comes out. He makes sure that nobody else is going to interfere. Uh, he's pounding the mat, you know, having Jigsaw's back, having Hella Wicked's back. Other members from Chikara uh, make their way out. Frightmare, uh, Dasher. The amount, ha- of, the amount of excitement <laughs> that... Uh, Hunter as Bill Berger on commentary shows for Frightmare coming to ringside is uh, the ultimate a, inside joke. Is a treat. No, it's a treat though. It's just oh my god, it's Frightmare. It's Frightmare. It's not exactly. It's not exactly wife beater coming to the ring with a uh, a. I can't even remember if it was White Feeder, but at the at Arena Warfare with the the Weed Whacker, Lobo, whoever it was. That was White Feeder. Uh, kind of moment, but it's just the excitement with which he sells uh, Frightmare being the first one out after Quack is is uh, fun. It's it's amusing. Well, we had we had a discussion on Frightmare a, a while back. He's still pretty young, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Frightmare started training when he was like 12. I'm exaggerating, but he was very, very young. Now, Payne had a few matches with him for, I want to say it was Force One, if I remember correctly. Um, didn't think I would make an NWA Force One reference on our podcast, but there it is. Uh, yeah, we're quite young. I'd, I'd like to see you know him get another shot somewhere. I uh, always thought he had great potential to be a, a an amazing red style babyface uh, that fans could connect to. Um, maybe not under the same gimmick, but who knows? Uh, so he's out there, Dasher Hatfield, uh, who was the baseball player gimmick. Uh, he's out there. Uh, the Colony 
some stars there making their way out. Yeah, fire ant. And, uh... I wonder what that Dasher Hatfield guy's up to now. He was a very good wrestler. Yeah, very good professional wrestler. Uh, so we've got the colony, uh, and I always butcher how you say her name, but, uh... Saturn, 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 I believe it's pronounced Saturn. What it always made me think of is his character in the Excalibur comic books called Saturn. That's what it made me think of. Um, Or the Briscoes just literally call her bitch. Yeah. Uh, And the Briscoes just bitch and then try to beat her up. They tried. They they had a flashback that it was, you know, 2002 Ring of Honor. (laughs) And, oh, there's a woman at ringside. We must beat her. Um, Yeah. Well, we've really just pounded the pavement in this segment. We mentioned the word, the phrase "wife beater." Uh, that was bitch. his name. Technically, that's technically we've we talked about two, two wife beaters on this show because of Hero. Hero was originally wife beater, um, in in name only. Uh, should clarify, um, but uh, Saturn, whatever her name is is out here. She was something else later on, I think. I don't know. Was she Hania the Huntress or whatever the name was? Or is that a different uh, No. No. That's a different one? That's a different one. Okay. Well, and Ultramantis Black is the last name of the Chikara uh, family that has made their way out to the ring. Should have had Bryce come out. Bryce was refereeing the match. Bryce refereed the match? Okay. Yes. I don't know why I didn't remember that. I thought it was Todd. I don't know. Hanny of the Howling Huntress was Saturn. Okay. That was, I guess, that gimmick gimmick that followed. She lasted approximately one taping at TNA. Hmm. TNA Impact, whatever. Um, I don't know why I didn't think Bryce was refing, but... Shout out to Bryce. Because you didn't actually watch the show. I watched the fucking show. <laughs> on DVD, nonetheless. Um, you watched it on Honor Club. The Briscoes, meanwhile, uh, finishing off this match. Uh, they've just taken a two-on-one to beat, uh, beating to Jigsaw. And all that uh, camaraderie and, and fellowship with the Chikara roster at ringside lets Jigsaw fire up, make a big comeback, and gets the super mega hot tag to Hallowicked. He comes in and runs wild. Um, hits a, a step-up and Zaguri on Mark Briscoe. Uh, does the cross-arm powerbomb on Mark Briscoe. Uh, does he, he... Is it to Jay that he did the go to Sleepy Hollow? Yeah. I think, I think it was Jay that got that. Um Jay boots Hallowicked into the corner. Jigsaw tags in. Big missile drop kick. Uh, he starts kicking away at Mark. Mark just does a sick headbutt to Hallowicked repeatedly and does it to the point where he grabs him by the face mask and turns it around. Um, don't do that in 2020 or 2021 uh, with anybody's mask. Make sure it's on the front of the face, covering the nose and mouth area. Thank you. And uh, at this point, 
uh, Jigsaw, German suplexes Mark to stop him from trying to rip Hallowicked's mask off. We want everybody to keep their masks on. On the floor, Jay decides to get into the face of one Saturni, Saturine. Uh, I'm just going to call, call her Hania. I, actually, Huntress. She's going to be Huntress from now on. Uh, Dasher yeah. Hatfield comes That's in. Helena Bertinelli. Oh, okay. Or Helena Wayne. Oh, a Batman reference. It is. Uh, the very good professional wrestler Dasher Hatfield comes to the aid of Saturni, Saturine. I don't know why I can't get that one right. Jay throws her into the ring uh, after punching Dasher. Uh, Fire Ant flies in and uh, he distracts Jay. This allows Jigsaw to hit the super kick on Jay Briscoe for the quick flash win. And Team Chikara, Jigsaw, Hallow Wicked, they win the Proving Ground match. And now they get to wait four months to get their shots at the Ring of Honor Tag Team titles in Chicago at mm-hmm. Unity, available in the archives. Yeah. Uh, enjoyable match. Uh, I, I really liked the match. I liked the rematch more. I believe so as well, from my recollection of that. I mean, it's been almost a year since we covered it. Uh, but Too yes, much- I also remember. But I like the fact that there, it's a Gaga, but it's Gaga that to me, illustrates the whole... Because the, the whole point of the Ultra Man is a black promo that goes on, like, two minutes too long. Uh, like, he gets the point and then keeps going. Um, is that they're a family and they support each other. Even the ones who don't get along necessarily are there to support each other as Jakara in this Ring of Honor position. And I think that's what it demonstrates, is they don't actually interfere. There's no interference directly. Like, Fire Ant might, you know, springboard in and jump off and just kind of be like, what the hell is that? There's a flying ant. And then, yeah, it's just, it's enough. The, the Briscoes are letting themselves get distracted by right. everything, the, 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 the carnival that's going on around them. And so I liked that part of the story. And then it also brought the crowd up a lot. You know, they were there, but then they went, came up a lot when Quack walked out and then when everybody started coming out. Um, so it just, and you know what's great? It's... To me, I like I look at it, and I was I couldn't remember. There was a TV taping before this. I couldn't remember if this was the first show of the year, but so there was a TV taping in Baltimore before this for, on the seventh. Um, it's kind of ballsy booking to put the tag titles on the Briscoes and then a final battle, and then have them lose three shows in a row because mm-hmm. they lost in a DQ match against Haas and Benjamin in a match that doesn't air till February. They lost to the House of Truth in a match that doesn't air till February. And then they lost in this match as like kind of the first official match of the year that people will see. Um, like they just won the tag belt and you put them under <laughs> immediately. I, that, that was an interesting choice to me. Um, and it's one of those things like I, it, it kind of does feel, you know, you, you lose a little bit of the momentum with the rematch being so far away. Also, any other Briscoe's title defenses in between this kind of, um, you know, if Haas and Benjamin had won the rematch and won the belts. Haas and Benjamin versus Jigsaw and Hollowick, it does not sound quite so interesting. 
actually it does but in a really sick perverse way so i i think you lose a little bit of that um because there's such a gap between the shows uh and it's not happening in philly and it's not happening in philly again but i mean that you know that's just the nature of hey we have these shows booked the same time same day and same market might as well let's get married for the night right so i i don't know it so there's like little things that can pick apart about it but as a match for this evening i enjoyed it uh, i enjoyed the the selling of jakar as a family um and I said in two thousand in two thousand twelve, I think it was kind of like I don't know. I think there was a little bit of that vibe of um, like just why are we doing this? Is this just like Hunter throwing some work to this other place that he works? Uh, but it, now I look back on it now, I'm like, it's, like I said, it's fun. It, a fun thing, fun little thing to do for the Philly fans and with, you know, two of the best talents you're going to pull from Jakarta to do it and then they got producing two really entertaining matches out of it. Well, so after the match is over, uh, Jay says that they didn't sign up to fight baseball players, bitches, and Looney Tunes. And I just think that line needs to be preserved in the audio archives that is the Honorable Mention podcast. Um, I, I just think it sounds so ridiculous to combine those three separate phrases. Yeah. Uh, but coming from Jay Briscoe, it somehow makes total rational sense. Um, the match for uh, what would become Unity is announced April 28th in Chicago, and Jigsaw and Hallowicket have quote-unquote signed their death warrant. Um, more on Unity in the archives. Uh, an honorable mention backslash me Ultramantis Black takes the microphone next he says the Chikara team uh, have uh, come here to support their family um, Mark throws a chair at them while he's talking uh, but it completely hits nothing but air um, Ultramantis Black says he didn't like the Briscoes because they didn't respect the mask uh, so all of you out there listen to Ultramantis, respect the mask, wear the mask. It's sacred to the uh, members of the Chikara roster, so it should be sacred to you. Wear your mask. Uh, Mantis says that if you mess with something that's sacred to them, they're going to take something that's sacred to the Briscoes, and that is the ROH Tag Team titles. You can be someone that's worthy of an honorable mention. Yes, you. By being one of our patrons today at patreon.com slash an honorable pod for as little as four dollars a month you can help us to create all of the awesome content that you love from an honorable mention at the early bird level at four dollars a month you get the show early and ad free every single week plus the higher tier you subscribe the more bonus perks you get like additional content exclusive to patrons like watch alongs and more dvds merch and more Check it all out at patreon.com slash an honorable pod today and be somebody that's worthy of an honorable mention. So that wraps up that. We go to Davey Richards and he says that uh, 
actions will speak louder than words. This is literally the video wire promo put into the DVD. Yeah, but I mean, it's not the exact promo, but yes, it's same content. Literally. Yeah. He advises him to duck and says he's a headhunter. Yeah. Oof. Mix it up, Davey. Speaking of Ring of Honor World Title match, Davey Richards defending against the Ring of Honor World Television Champion Jay Lethal. And a so, champion versus champion match, not a title versus title. That is correct. Uh, this is a a match where, and I don't specifically remember if I felt this way at the time. But I know I've always been a, a firm believer in Jay Lethal struggling to find himself as a babyface. And I around this time was probably when I started bitching and moaning that he needs to turn heel. What the hell is Delirious waiting for? Turn him heel. Give him somebody. Like, I mean, you've only been back for six months at this point. Yeah, and that's about... About when I started the campaign, because in New Orleans, that WrestleMania show, the Supercard Eight, the New Orleans WrestleMania show that was like three years after this. Wait, yeah, now two years, like two years, two years. Uh, two thousand fourteen. It was when Taven turned heel. Yeah, that WrestleMania New Orleans. Well, there's two WrestleManias in New Orleans, so yes, the first, the first, the third, WrestleMania two thousand fourteen is when Taven turned heel and that was one of those other ones where I was like god damn turn this fucking guy there's nothing likable about him turn him for the love of god turn him uh, and it's when you say Matt Taven is a baby face uh, at that point it blows my mind because he was always house of truth heel uh, to me yeah and he was not he just didn't fit and Jay Lethal uh, as a heel, like almost immediately, I was like, "Turn him, please, for the love of God, turn him." And then mm. they did eventually. But I think in this match, he kind of found himself as a babyface and got that sympathy from me. And I don't specifically remember my initial thoughts watching this match for the first time, but watching it back this time, I was like, God damn, like, Jay Lethal's having a hell of a match here as a babyface, and fuck Davey Richards. Well, I never thought Lethal had an issue as a babyface wrestler. It was the character portion of it. So, I don't know. You might have been the only fan, like, I, I... crying for Jay Lethal to become a heel six months into his run. Uh, <laughs> there was a, a, it was a, a small vocal well, I don't I don't know where you were doing this at because the message board was dead, so I guess you had all migrated over to ROH World to bitch and complain on there uh, instead. No, it was, uh, uh, it was just like conversations and such with gotcha. you know, friends. We'd all discuss the product and there used to be uh, a chat room like a AOL chat room or an instant messenger that people would hop on. Sometimes like talent would come in every once in a great while too. Gabe would pop in there. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it existed long after Gabe exited the premises. Um, but 
there was this prevailing thought amongst a lot of the people that actually were East Coast based and were exposed to Jay as a heel in Jersey All Pro were hoping to see that presented in Ring of Honor. And it just took a while to get there. And then once they got there, it was like, God damn, this is a spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. But I thought this match, when I was watching it the other night, I thought, man, like, Jake gets it. And maybe hinds- it's hindsight telling me that, and I just didn't know or notice some of the things he was doing. But, like, he's actually reaching into the camera at one point for help. Davey's on top of him, and he's working on his, I think it was his uh, ankle, maybe, that he was, like, stomping. Mm-hmm. And whoever was doing ringside cameras at the time, I don't know. I have no Mike clue. or whoever. No. Um, I have no clue at this point who was doing One of the guys had sleeves, had sleeve, full sleeve tattoos. I have no idea who it was. Whoever it was got, like, this great facial reaction shot of Jerry and his hand, like, reaching out, trying to garner support from the people. So I thought that had a really nice touch. But the action in this match is really good. They went 25 minutes and 50 seconds. Um, I think the finishing sequence to this was probably the best on the show. Uh, as far as action goes, from the alarm clock on. But there was so much fighting spirit, no selling prior to that. I, I, but I didn't. I mind felt it. the selling was. I see. I felt the selling was appropriate. There are moments of the no of the, like the 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 no sell. Like Jay takes the alarm clock, absorbs it into himself, and then throws a lariat. You know, he, there's there's moments of it, um, but I felt like there was you know, appropriate levels of selling and exhaustion and tired. It's and Jay having to essentially prove himself as to the world champion of what he has. You know, this is just the TV champ with that hideous belt that I'm looking at on the DVD cover bunny ears and uh, I belt there were two people with antennas on this show the TV title and fire ant and green ant and soldier ant Ant. so there's there's multiple uh, people with antennas antenna so I think there were I I think there was like there was levels of selling in this match that was relatively a appropriate um you know there can always be moments of of more but i i I thought it was it's certainly one of um the better examples of you know uh, some of the, the 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 downsides of davy richard's style of wrestling um this was not chock full of those examples of uh, of uh, complete and total lack of selling some stuff and just no 
that. It, it just and and it's I think with Jay, you get Jay, you get him absorbing the punishment and having to fight up from underneath a lot, but not in like a heel beating a babyface role. It just, you know, he's he's also a champion, and he's he's got a lot to prove too. You know that it's it's not this outright, you know, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles. Samoa Joe, Nigel McGinnis, my pure title and better than your, you know, world title and your pure title. It's not a title, you know, grudge match because of them both being champions. It's just, you know, Jay proving he can also hang with the world champion. The only thing I actually don't, it's a mix of liking it and not, is the finish. Because. I like the knockout finish of the multiple, like, bam, bam, bam kicks. The Brian finish, as I refer to it. Brian's never finished a match like that. No, Brian did the elbows to get the match stopped. Yeah, repeated elbows to the head. It's not the the, Brian. How do you call something the Brian finish when it's not even the same moves? No, but Kicks it's him in the head three times. Loki did that too. Tajiri did that too. They're not remotely similar besides being a strike. Yeah. He's knocking him out. Yeah. Okay, the it's the hero up. finish. Oh, it's the hero finish. Not tonight. He oh. knocked you out though. Yes, yes. But you get what I'm saying? Like it's a knockout. Let's call every knockout yeah. finish the Brian finish. All right, cool. That's Why not? Every finish, every knockout finish is the Brian finish, even if they're remotely nothing like the uh, MMA elbows, as y'all dubbed it. Uh, the downside is the crowd deflates for the finish. Yeah. Hey, they're up. I think after the first couple kicks when Jay starts like asking for more and then they just kind of deflate for the finish. Now it's a logical finish getting kicked in the head three times like that than just being dead. But the crowd just kind of was Jay survived that last kick calling at his face like come on motherfucker. And you hear the crowd is up for it, like yeah and then Davey kicks him three more times and then they're just kind of like that would have been where it would have been beneficial. One more big kick, the end. Nah, I think to me what beneficial would have been he asks for more and you just kick him in the face and he's done. Yeah, one and kick and that's it. I thought you meant one more, like one, two, no, three. Yep, no. let's throw a fourth. Okay, gotcha. no, not yes. four. Yes. No, just just one. one. Just one, one. Mm-hmm. making the exclamation point to where it looks more vicious or sounds slap your leg a little harder, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was my lone uh, issue of contention with the end of this. Um, but then again, I just said to myself, well, it's Davey, so he's going to overdo it. Mm-hmm. But I did, I liked the finishing stretch. I loved the way that. Davy and Jay worked together where Davy wasn't a heel in the match, but it's almost as if he was by default because Jay was finally eliciting this like extreme sympathy from the crowd. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, so the finish comes 25-50. Dave Richards hits the alarm clock uh, after taking a super kick. Lethal hits lethal injection, Shane Hagedorn's favorite move. Richards manages to kick out, uh, leaving Jay Lethal looking uh, absolutely Lethal looks uh, for another cutter. That one is not going to work. Richards hits a headbutt. Um, and then Davey hits the running kick uh, right into Jay's throat. Uh, of course, that is not enough as he follows with a top rope double stomp for a two count. And then as we talked about, Davey kicks Jay Lethal in the side of the head. Jay Lethal hulks up. I guess he macho man's up. I don't know. Machismo's up. And uh, he wants more. So Davey does three more kicks to the head. And that is it. 25-50. The biggest issue I have this match is Roddy's interference. Just it it offered nothing. We glossed over it, but it, that's because it is. It's, it's just so such a gloss stupid. over moment. It, 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 yes, Roddy made a comment in these interview, like in the preamble before Cole came out about you know he's coming after both their titles. Why does he care who has what belt? Like what? There, Roddy has no skin in this game to interfere for either person. It doesn't matter who has the belt in this instance. What you just it didn't. It didn't offer anything Roddy's involvement in this match. And, I mean, the match wouldn't be perfect without it, but it was completely unnecessary in the scheme of the match. Uh, yeah, that's what I have to say about that. And yeah. and that's why we kind of glossed over it, because it's just so... Eh, didn't need to be there. No, it was a waste, and I think that was one of the delirious staples was just having a run-in for the sake of having a run-in run-in for the sake of a run-in yeah 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 um, and of course it wouldn't be an official davy richard match to go down in the wrestling record books for all history if davy didn't do a speech mm-hmm. davy must talk hulk must pose davy puts over jay lethal he says he was so impressed with Jay's performance and the challenge that he gave him that he wants to give him another title defense. And so Davey's just handing out title defenses. They shake hands, uh, which unfortunately we can no longer do in society. And Richards thanks the fans uh, for having his back this evening and, and having it since his very first match. Uh, in this very building at Death Before Dishonor 4, available in the archives, in which a very blown-up Davey Richards wrestled a very blown-up AJ Styles. A very blown-up AJ Styles wrestled Davey Richards. Davey wasn't blown up in that match. AJ was. They were both pretty gassed. At least he wasn't winning the world title in his first match. Yeah, boy, I would love to hear more about that concept being real or not. Um, but yeah, uh, I think we talked about that in Gabe's book of ROH secrets available in the archives. I we talked about a Death for Dishonor available in the archives. Death for Dishonor four, yes, specifically, all the way back. I believe that's episode number two. Two. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at me with my numerical stuff. Um, speaking of numbers, that wraps up Homecoming 2012, episode 148. 
Ah, okay. Excellent. Overall, I, if you're if I overall, I give this a thumbs up. Absolutely. It's a, there. None of the matches on the show are they're all good or better. And I said the issues I have are more uh, booking related than match quality related. Um, I know if the Adam Cole booking issues have some resolution within the context of this show. Uh, the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about. Tommaso and how some of those uh, spinning your wheels for year and a half issues start to um, go somewhere mm-hmm. uh, because the next two weeks we cover the next two shows. How about that? Some calendar work next week, January 19th. It is ROH underground. And then after we are underground, we will rise and prove on January 26th. I think I've used that line of delineation a couple of times. I don't think I'm going to use that again since we're going to get to underground next week. Uh, February 2nd, it is Eye of the Storm, which I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's going to be a really good show. We get to watch Shizaki well. matches, so I'm excited. I think that's going to age really well. For the horrible circumstances of that weekend and that show in particular, I think that's going to age really well. And I have a couple good stories of being at the show. And I'm hoping the Wayback Machine actually works so I can track down what the original card was supposed to be. <laughs> was there I a... don't know. We'll find out. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to think of that time frame. Uh, February 9th, question mark. Uh, to be determined. And we've gone long enough, so we won't book it on the air. Uh We'll have a, a booking meeting afterwards. Uh, February 16th, anniversary show poll. That poll should be coming your way soon. Yes. Ish? Yes. So I'll put it up after this episode drops on Patreon. Okay, so Saturday. Uh, it is Saturday the 9th? 10th? Sure. I don't fucking know. All these days run together. Day it's a day do. ending in a Y. Um... February 2nd, Eye of the Storm. February 9th, question mark. Anniversary show on the 16th. Era of Honor begins on the 19th. Holy shit. 19th anniversary of the Era of Honor begins. February 23rd. Um, Pandemic, no pandemic. It's a day that I believe Ring of Honor should run a show no matter what day of the week it is. It's a holy day. Uh, Like Wrestle Kingdom? Yes, Absolutely. And uh, it's... Give it a sentimental name. The Carrie Silken Spectacular or something like that. I don't know. That's why I don't book wrestling shows. March Madness will be the all shows from after Shane Hagedorn exited Ring of Honor. So I had somebody bitching at me on uh, that website you mentioned earlier, ROH World, uh, that we don't cover anything new. It's because... Well, we weren't there. Wasn't there. Hagedorn wasn't there to provide the expert perspective, and I wasn't at as many shows in that era because got a real job, and it takes up a lot of time. Uh, so we will cover five post Shane Hagedorn era shows. So I will be asking suggestions because I have I have one for sure that we're gonna do. 
I have no say in any of this, so I'm very curious to nope. see what happens. Uh, nope, you have no no say. Uh, but the show that I have picked out is, I think, a contender for the worst Ring of Honor show of all time. Oh, can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It's the, it's the drizzle. All right. Um, so that's March. April, uh, the first show in April will be the WrestleMania weekend poll. Plenty of fun options to choose from there. Um, social media, you can find me. Well, you can find the show, most importantly, at an honorable pod on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com backslash an honorable pod. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Jeff Schwartz Zero. You can find me on Instagram at the Jeff Schwartz. Uh, if Twitter unsuspends me for no reason that they suspended me, uh, revert back to the original. And uh, Facebook.com backslash uh, the Jeff Schwartz, I think, on Facebook. Or just search Jeff Schwartz and I'll be your friend on Facebook mm. for free. Don't cost you nothing. Uh, partner, where can we find you on the internet beside BatmanDeepCuts.org? Wow. You uh, referenced Helena Wayne earlier. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not, that's not a deep cut at all. Uh, if, if you're not, if, you know, it's a, it's a deep cut when you're, when you're somebody who only knows uh, Christopher Nolan Batman movies. I know Michael Keaton is Batman. Yeah. Joel and Schumacher. Michael Keaton, you should stab yourself in the eyeballs for mentioning Joel Schumacher. Uh,. At Hagedorn Shane on Twitter and Instagram, Shane Hagedorn on Facebook, and as always, go to youtube.com backslash an honorable mention podcast for plenty of fun playlists, non ROH match of the week, the music of Ring of Honor, and assorted uh, playlists of all kinds featuring wrestlers from across the spectrum of the sport of kings. Well done. We are brought to you by the Creative Control Network, so be sure to follow the head of the Creative Control Network, Mr. Joe Feeney. He is at J-double-F-ha-ha-double-E-ha-ha-N-E-Y-3-R-D and at the CC Network 1 for all the latest news and notes on the Creative Control Network. Be sure to follow our verified scientists of sound, our astronaut of audio, our purveyor of production, the ace of action figures, the base master general, the technician of trouble, the best broadcast machine, the award-winning autocrat of advertisement, the cleaner of audio, Mr. Zach Johnson. He is on Twitter and Instagram at Radio ZT. He delivers us the best intro and outro every single week, making sure that we sound cooler than the other side of the pillow. Anyone with information regarding the murder of my dear friend Carnell Sledge and his friend Catherine Brown is asked to please call the Federal Bureau of Investigation for the City of Cleveland, 216-622-6842. Uh, also, I encourage everybody to go check out Sledge's Helping Hands on Facebook. That's Carnell's foundation, and it is now active and up and running. Uh, that was something Carnell was working on before his untimely passing on June 4th, 2019. And um, they did a lot of uh, helping the needy during the holiday season and uh, there's some more special needs kids that are getting some extra attention in the new year uh, courtesy of Sledge's Helping Hands so if we can get justice for Carnell and for Kate and their families and all of our friends um, 
it would be a wonderful thing to celebrate. And $100,000 will come your way uh, upon conviction of whoever did this to Carnell and Kate. Uh, Carnell's really missed. Um, having said that, there's only one thing left to do, and that is to quote your pal, the Honorable Mayor of an Honorable Mention, your favorite wrestler's favorite wrestler, Sauronaro. No need to trip out. It's time to dip out. Slap the porpoise. This one's over. We're out. Be kind to one another. Keep your chin up. And we'll see you next week for Underground. Underground. Take me down. Six underground. The ground beneath your feet. I hope you take my commentary out of this match because I don't want to have anything to do with it. What a fucking abortion. Holy shit. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue from in you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue. Clouds of white, the bright blessed day, the dark sacred night, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. The colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky. Also on the faces of people going by, I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. I hear babies cry. I watch them grow. They're like much more. What a wonderful world Yes, I think to myself What a wonderful world